Are you ready for the Low Bros Network? Every Wednesday on the Low Blows Network, the Low Blows team are at hand to break down, analyze, and make fun of all things pro wrestling. Hosted by former pro wrestler Rick Nash. I think the only reasonable thing we can do now is turn John Cena heel. Selfie with me, fucking dog. Banned from Nigeria. <laughs> I will be talking to the government tomorrow morning. <laughs> YouTube star Corporate King. This elephant has four legs. Joe Ross has four legs. Joseph Stalin, if he had two more legs. Bone saw rips off his shirt, yeah? And it says, Chuck your law. Big dirty toy for And the queen of Irish wrestling, Katie Harvey. I want one to sign. Just CM Punk. I'm so embarrassed. CM Punk. (laughs) (laughs) It's Low Blows. The world is opening back up as we embrace the new normal. Fight uh, Factory, the, the room we're in right now, that opened back up this week. And um, we're now on the countdown trail to, to well, I don't, I don't think we're allowed to call it Freedom Day. I think that didn't go so well last time. So, uh, But Copper has announced that they're reopening. Pubs are going to be, pubs and clubs are going to be open until 6 in the morning. It's going to be mental, lads. We're getting back to normal, and uh, I, for one, cannot wait. But as we get kicked off here, on another edition of Low Blows, Rick Nash, Katie Harvey, and Corporate Keen in the house, as always. Guys, what new normal would you like to see in the world of wrestling? wrestling? Corporate Keen, we'll start with you. Um, I'd like to see house shows remain scrapped. I know they're already not, like, they're already back. But, like, that's probably the only positive I can get from the pandemic era, so... Yep. <laughs> You'd never see a WWE live show. Would I ever go? Like, But you'd never, ever get to go. Like, what if your new Eric Rowan came? Well, no, because I mean, like... How'd you ever see him wrestle? I No, because I actually... There was a show that I regret not going to. That was a WWE house show. Um, I didn't go. I could have seen Eric Rowan live. And it didn't happen. But I mean, it's all right. I just think that for me, the, the physical kind of... Toll yeah. that it takes on the wrestler is completely outweighs its benefit, in yeah. my opinion. I'd rather, what I would rather see is them take TV to Dublin and take TV to all these places instead of house shows, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just spread it around the place a bit more, that's what I think. But, okay. um, but like, yeah. people get a lot of really good reps on house shows as well to build big matches, you know what I mean? Like, there, I think there is a benefit to house shows, but again, like, I think they should be a lot less frequent. Like, yeah, like if they do like an occasional non-TV show in Madison Square Garden, that's mm. not the end of the world. Or they like to do, say, that was it, Night Clash of Champions in Charlotte and stuff like that. Like, even remember when they did the RDS years ago yeah. and they brought over like all the big guns and like I got to see Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio in a ladder match in the RDS and like I caught one of Stone Cold's beer cans and like, uh. like it, but that was like, it felt like a super show, you know what I mean? Like that wasn't just a house show. I've yeah. been to some crap house shows as well. <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, I think less frequent, but like, I, I like uh, Actually, I think I can like, find your answer a little bit, right? I think house shows in Dublin are grand, but everywhere else, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that benefits me, yes. yes. Anything that doesn't, <laughs> no. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Katie, what new normal would you like to see in wrestling? Um, this is more so for when like uh, local shows come back, and I've talked about this before. Let's do away with shaking everyone's hand yeah. as soon as you arrive at the venue. <laughs> yes. Um, it's time consuming, and it's the cause of a lot of unnecessary heat and stress. <laughs> um, it's an unwritten rule that people don't tell new trainees, and then new trainees accidentally get a load of heat with the boys because they haven't like fucking search the venue looking for someone who's been taking a shit to shake their hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on the other flip side of it is, I just don't want to shake everyone's hand. Yeah. There are some people that I just, you know what? I wouldn't even call them colleagues. You know what I mean? You're just, you're not on a shaking hand level with everyone you'll be in the room with and that is fine. So we should stop this obligation of having to search out every living being in the building to shake their hand as soon as you arrive at the venue. And if you want to, if you want to be a handshaker, you can be, you know what I mean? Like that can be a thing that you do, but like totally agree. Like, yeah, it's so, I hate it. But hand, hate handshakes it. in general, someone went, shook my hand the other day. I was oh. I was sitting outside a pub and like we we're having great crack with the, with the barman and uh, he was like, oh, my name is whatever. And like, we're going around the table. And then he like shook my hand and I was just so taken aback. <laughs> like, it's just been so long since someone shook my hand. I was like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately like just getting the cleanser. Out. It was like, ah. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's, it's just a thing I feel generally uncomfortable with yeah. now. So I was just like, Fair. if we could do away with handshakes, I'd be I'd be real happy. In general, like you I'd be okay doing away with it forever. Like in general. Mm. Imagine though like the elbow became the new thing oh. and then you'd go around the entire room just going, uh bop, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. oh no. Oh just my god. Just say hello to someone. Like I, I like I hate the elbow bop. How about we just don't have physical contact I remember, with strangers? I remember what was it? This is when uh when like I started to get really disengaged from wrestling and, and Bally and Bruce at the same time was in a similar headspace to us and when we'd leave a venue we'd just be like Bye <laughs> oh, I forgot about the handshakes on the way out. I don't think I ever really Oh my god. Yeah, that's, that, that's not really as much of a thing though, is it? Oh yeah. But like it's a whole people, like some people will really stick by it as well and they will talk shit oh, about you. Oh they would have a massive talk for each other and just leave when it's over like I don't even Like I genuinely feel like some people see it as like a way to start trouble. Like I feel like they'd hide behind a pillar so you can't shake their hand and then you'd leave and then they'd be like, Oh, didn't shake my hand, fucking heat magnet over what, there. What's wrong with a really over the top smile and just a really long exaggerated wave at everyone I think that's a better way of that's doing it that's what I do <laughs> I love that I love a little queenly wave from the door like, I'm off now guys see you later like it's, it's, it's underrated no like. I mean like when you arrive and you're going up to every single person you're like hi oh, you mean waving in their face <laughs> yeah like hi <laughs> also as time consuming as shaking hands oh yeah the worst was like I hated like if you'd be on tour with people because it was like you almost have a conference after the show like the ring would be down and stuff like that and you'd, everyone is just like let's stay in chat forever and it's like first off we've got to travel and then you go have these chats and then like it'd take another half hour to shake everyone's hand and then you'd all travel and go to the same hotel and it's like what are we doing we're all still together <laughs> we just got in different cars and went to a different yeah. place <laughs> There towards the end yeah. as well, which I wasn't really that fond of either. There was you know? a lot, yeah. Did you ever have any like crotch huggers? Uh, there was a <laughs> lot of them around. They hug with their crotch, yeah. Ooh. Like, and not not like the like for the most part. Like, this is why I ask Katie. It's like lads do it to, to girls a lot of time, and they don't do it to like other lads for the most part. But there are some problematic huggers. Like, uh, yeah. You don't it's like you see like because hugs can be good, but you just you just you. 
You don't, don't. It's not something you really want to be over enthusiastic. You know, the, these people like, will be people who probably this is their human contact for the <laughs> you know, for the year. Yeah, this, this is them for the month, so they're uh, maximizing it. Like, oh, yeah, Jesus, no, yeah, no. Like, like, there's a few problematic huggers down. Yeah, the and years. The, if there's a group of people and you don't really know one of them, but you've given hugs to everyone else, yeah. and you know, it's, like, and it's uh, uh, it's so weird that rule that was kind of in for a while, and this must I don't know if this drove you up the wall or what, where it's like. Lads shake hands, but girls have to hug everyone, and yeah. like that was very, <laughs> yeah. that was weird. There was like, a lot of ass out hugging, you know, like that really yeah. awkward, like like the half hug, like, like yeah, yeah. Oh, like yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, no, totally cosine, yeah, can't wait, that's that's and that has to be. We should all just chop each other. <laughs> Alright, I'm just not Or just don't speak to each other. Just show up ahead. Do the do the do the corporate king, just look at the floor and just, just disengage like, mentally. People are so like, oh, it's a it's a business, you know, we're professionals. I don't go into my day job every day and shake hands and like I'd like hook people. Okay, someone mean crotch hook is like, I'm being a professional <laughs> Like it is an inherently unprofessional thing yeah. that got to be a big part of professional yeah. wrestling. Like. Yeah, business, business. And, and, and like, you know why the handshake's in, yeah? No. So the handshake is in because like you had to shake people's hand a certain way mm-hmm. to know that they, oh, you were yeah. smart in the business. <laughs> so the limp, the, the limp handshake is like, that's the worker's handshake. So if you did that, yeah. that's why the handshake is a thing. Whereas now we've got like shoot interviews. We have like, TV shows of rest, the biggest wrestling TV shows would be like wrestling's fake lol <laughs> and now we still have to like weed out the marks yeah. that's why it's good to go into these shows um, and basically just shake like when you shake people's hands be strong as fuck just go in just like grip would that mean you're gonna fuck someone up you're gonna stiff them that's what I mean yeah you assert dominance you know what I mean you go in and be like oh, I'm the hard man <laughs> so I think maybe, maybe that's the way to do it just like overly aggressive handshakes look if it's your first time at promotion by all means go around and shake hands and yeah, say hello yeah, to everyone I do agree with that yeah but like, if you if if I'm doing like three shows in three consecutive days with that same crew, like, or we've just travelled together, or like just seen each other at the services down the road, oh, like it's the, the hotel used to wipe you up on door. It's like, what are we doing, guys? We're going to the same place. Let's just get there because they have beds. This reminds me so much of a story about that. He used to tell me where like he basically has his friend who works in insurance, and it's the most stereotypical works in insurance type friend ever. Like, he's a proper nerd, right? And like. At one point he was at like this this gathering, I don't know what it was, but there was like about twenty of them and like every single every single person, my dad's friend like went, Okay, hello, okay, this person is this person, this person so there he was introducing everyone to everyone and they both had to stand up and shake hands and sit down and stand up and shake hands oh, and by the end of it, my dad and his mate that he went to this thing with both just stood up and shook each other's hands <laughs> real formally and then sat back down. <laughs> Oh god. Um, anyway, look, the, the, yeah, no, I, I, I can totally get on board with that. Speaking of new normal, uh, Five Factory opened back up this week. Yay! Yay! Amazing stuff. How does it feel to be uh, getting back to the swing of things? Stress. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot how hard running a wrestling school was. <laughs> Being like very pregnant as well mustn't be. Uh, yeah, it's like because I I have like bursts of energy for like sixty minutes at a time, <laughs> and then I have to go lie down somewhere. <laughs> so like that that that's generally been me trying to like clean up and get things organized oh, in God. our lovely new premises. Yes. It's like I'll be really energetic for like sixty minutes, and I have to get as much done as possible because then I'm lying down on a crash mat. <laughs> and beginners classes as 
well amazingly like sold out pretty oh, much yeah, yeah yeah that's fantastic stuff so people like in like you literally cannot get in this isn't a plug because they nothing to plug because <laughs> they sold everything that they could um so well done congratulations and uh, and yeah good to have you back in good to be getting back to normal guys so let's get on with the show as normal it's a big week uh we are now living in the wrestling world post rick flair uh, we're going to discuss obviously the, the sensational episode of dark side of the ring the g1 is back guys amazing stuff um i cannot wait i'm delighted so we're going to be te- uh, checking in on that uh we had a big episode of raw uh there's a pay-per-view this weekend extreme rules uh, we're going to be discussing it all but first we're going to get kicked off with the news as we always do because ladies and gentlemen it's time for queen versus king Versus King. Oh shit! <laughs> 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 I actually forgot. <laughs> I don't think you forgot that Queen versus King. I was thinking of like something stupid. This is also like, oh shit! I need to step it up. This is this is big business. Queen versus King. <laughs> because I do co-host a good friends, not even better enemies. So what we do to discuss the big news of the week is we pick the top five stories. We've got 30 seconds on the clock and we award points for punditry. We've been keeping uh, score as the year has gone on. And by the way, guys, when I say the year, also keep in mind that since the year has started, Katie Harvey has decided to go. She's having a, a human shortly, so it's a truncated <laughs> year as far as Queen versus Keen goes. I didn't do it on purpose to like wait a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, like it backfired if you did because you're actually losing the yearly contest. Uh, so we're getting the business time a lot quicker than uh, than than kind of twenty twenty one. So we have to keep that in mind too. It is squeaky bum time as far as Queen versus Keen goes. Keen is leading by one, but Katie is the one with all the momentum. She's come back from three down. Um, so how will this go and uh, we shall see as we go along five questions katie your first uh, for question one for the second time in a week aw dynamite has had better ratings in the famous 18 to 49 demographic uh, than raw two weeks in a row huge time the question is very simple is it time for wwe to start panicking well, look, I know Fight Factory is slightly smaller than AEW or WWE, right? But I found when it comes to running shows, if you're not panicking constantly from start to finish, you're doing something wrong. You know, wrestling companies should be panicking constantly because otherwise you're complacent and you're not going to turn out a good show because you don't really care anymore. So, like, I'd like to think that WWE are just in absolute panic mode 24-7. Okay, good stuff. Like, that's your experience with wrestling in general. Like, yeah, fair enough. That's a good show. Uh, Corporate Keen, should WWE start panicking? Katie is so wrong. Absolutely not. WWE never panic. You know what I mean? When I was, I was watching Raw this week, spoilers, it was very good. And we had a triple threat, Roman Reigns, switching brands, Big E, Lashley. People are saying this is hot shot booking and they're panicking. They're not panicking. This is always the plan. The natural course of action. AEW has had no influence. It's just naturally a really good show. <laughs> I do like the shade in this voice from Barbara Keane. I'm going to give you the point for that one. Question two, AEW announced that they will be working with the Own Heart Foundation to do things such as run an annual Own Heart Cup tournament, include as likeness in video games and other goals. WWE have been simply blocked from the, uh, due to their contentious relationship with his widow, Martha. Uh, what other deceased wrestlers would you like to see jump to AEW, though? Umaga. 
Umaga, in my opinion, is the, out of all the deceased wrestlers, I feel like he's the most underrated in terms of his legacy because he was only really Umaga for about three years or so. Um, but he was a major, major star in my childhood when I started watching wrestling. And I'd love to see a big boy tournament, you know what I mean? Big meaty men slapping meat tournament um, <laughs> in tribute of Umaga. I think, you know, the Brian Cages, the Powerhouse Hobbses, etc. Plus his license in an AEW game would be pretty cool. The Samoan Spike and all that. Maybe dead. The Armando Estrada as well, just appearing would be really cool. So, is Armando Estrada dead? No, seeing him appear would be really cool. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I thought that was a huge fan or anything, but, like, Jesus. Okay, well, we wish you well, Armando. <laughs> <laughs> Reports of your demise have been greatly exaggerated. Katie Harvey, what the sea wrestler would you like to see jump to AEW? So I'm thinking along the lines of, again, someone who was treated badly by WWE, who didn't get their, their fair shake, hasn't had their legacy remembered. You think I'm going to mention China? I'm not going to mention China. I'm going to throw a curveball. Mike Awesome is not remembered the way he should have been. Absolutely one of the best things ever in ECW. And I was re-watching One Night Stand and they've left in a lot of disgraceful commentary from, from, from Joey Styles, including like references to like suicide and stuff. And I just think it's disgraceful that that's still on the network and he's just not celebrated as much as he needs to be. Okay, yeah, not fair. I like that. Yeah, it's a great show. I love too. Like, and that's a match I'd like to see. Mike Awesome against him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so can point to Katie there uh, question 3 another AEW versus WWE one it's kind of a run theme now <laughs> uh, Brian Danielson revealed that WWE had asked him not to use the S chance in AEW and he has agreed so we won't be seeing him well like you said he, he won't like encourage yes chance but he can't obviously stop the crowd if they want to go do you think this is a big loss for Brian Katie Right, I'm not going to get signed there so I can say this. WWE are fucking morons, right? What is the one thing to make the crowd chant yes and make this more of a big thing in Daniel Ryan's character than telling people you cannot chant yes? Oh, you know what I mean? Like, oh. I actually would have liked to have seen him go back like full like American Dragon and like come away from WWE Daniel Bryan completely. But now it's going to follow him around the same way what chants follow around. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is a thing ingrained in wrestling now because they've made that request. They're morons. Arthur Ashe Stadium tonight is actually going to be hopping after this. To be fair, he did clarify that they didn't go and 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 they they weren't they they asked him rather than going the legal route and they just said please don't use it and he said he'd respect that. Um, but I also did like now when you put it that way, I'm like that's very clever of him to say that. <laughs> it's very pointed. So great point, Corbin. I think he's fucked. I think he's absolutely fucked. <laughs> he's gonna come out and and everyone's and you know and they're gonna be like yeah and they're gonna go, yeah. Oh, they asked us not to do that so they're going to sit in their hands and they're not going to say anything they're not going to cheer Brian Danielson there is no chant that you could possibly make that you know Brian Danielson it doesn't work they're going to say nothing silence there's going to be like a dead crowd you know what I mean fucked massive loss for <laughs> I do like the, the alternative worlds that we painted there. Uh, I get the point to Katie, this is a bit more of a tinker, but I do like the, the sarcasm. Uh, question four, Bandito issued an apology after Travis Banks ended up booked on the show. He ran last week saying that he's still getting used to being the main person responsible for everything on shows. Is this an acceptable excuse? No, I think he knew what he was doing. Um, I don't think it was an acceptable excuse, I don't think it was good enough, but unfortunately an apology and him not doing it again would be more than what pretty much the majority of promotions are doing at this stage, so I, I'd, I'd accept that and move on, but I wouldn't call it like an acceptable excuse or, or a reason for it. Okay, fair enough, Katie, okay, thoughts? Oh, I can't argue against it, I kind of agree, like, it's not really an acceptable excuse because you should be doing your due diligence as a promoter, but like... I am happy with the outcome, I'm happy he's taken responsibility and he's put like actions to his words and 
So yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. She just called me boy answer. It's a game for points. <laughs> it, it is a game for points. I know. It's a difficult subject. I'm aware of that, but there is points on the line. And starting your answer with, I can't really argue with that, even if it is, even if arguing with that would stay your soul. But like you know what? Horcrux. I can't be, I can't be pedantic on a question like this. Yes. You know what I mean? Sometimes I will disagree just for the craft. I'm just name saying it again. It's never to get keep Absolutely the light that was, was first one. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I can't. That's what will get sound clips. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Me having a, a, a fake outrage answer to Okay, that. look, that's fine. You made a choice there, Katie. You made a choice and the choice was to give Keenan Point there. So we headed give to the last Give Keenan Point or get cancelled. Yes, I think I made the correct choice. Uh, uh, that's your God. I'm not saying right, it's a good or a bad choice. You just, you but made two all going to the last question. Two all ending the, the, the cliffhanger question five. <laughs> Why haven't I been doing this the whole time? <laughs> John Cena called the attempt to release Cena NFTs at SummerSlam a catastrophic failure as they sold just 37 in total. That is tragic. On a scale of Twitch to the XFL though, where does this rank in terms of bad WWE ideas? I think it ranks on the scale of tout, toot. Yes. Like it's it's a it's a social media digital thing that I don't really understand. People try to explain to me. I still don't. I listened to a thirty minute podcast on what an NFT was. Still not entirely sure. Um, but WWE invested in it. It didn't really work, and now it's gone away. So I, they're they're very on the level for me. Okay, you toot Your dads. Uh, I think this is a fucking excellent idea. They convinced 37 people to buy a fucking NFT, one of the most useless things on the planet. And they convinced 37 people to pay what is realistically a lot of money uh, to, to buy them. So I consider it a success. Obviously, they'll see it differently. But 37 people, fucking that's a lot as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I did enjoy uh, KD versus technology. <laughs> I hear it's like a digital subscription thing you put on your phone in your pocket. <laughs> how you can own an original digital artwork that anyone can also access. <laughs> how, is, how is it original? NFT. Exactly. There you go. So, like, that's it. Uh, I will give you the point and I will give you the week. So, we have tied it up. Um, anyway, it is 16 apiece. So, uh, like I said, squeaky bum time in Queen versus Keen. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, we're moving on to the in-ring stuff. The good and the bad, starting with the bad as always. Peter sent four. Say something stupid. Say something stupid. Worst moments in the weekend at number five. Let's talk about NWA. <laughs> oh, I forgot about this. I wrote this like literally this. I mean, it was actually this, higher. this night last week. Oh, this is this is awful, man. I'm basically right. Okay, do you know what? What? We're going to swap it around. Oh, okay. 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 We're going to put it higher. Okay. I wasn't expecting that reaction. Oh. I, I'm I want to build to this. Oh, oh no, right. <laughs> no, that's a teaser. Oh, there's pressure. No, there's not pressure. It's okay. just a, a bit of a teaser, a bit oh, of a oh, forward sale. Okay, right. So in at number five, let's talk about SmackDown. Uh, so <laughs> SmackDown, I've just said, uh, why does Vince hate hometowns and birthdays, right? <laughs> because like, one thing AEW is doing really, really well at the moment, I think, is they make it a really big deal when a wrestler's in their hometown. Mm. I, there's just something nice about like homecomings and stuff, you know, and it's, it's it's such a unique thing that you can do, like, you know, like Mox in Cincinnati and stuff like that. You can make things feel special because it's their hometown, so you know there's going to be that extra buzz. Like, CM Punk in Chicago, like, everyone knows what that means. They know there's going to be that little bit of electricity in the air. But, like, 
Vince is just so into this idea that like if it's a baby face in their hometown or on their birthday they should always be left lying you know what I mean and it's it's I, I get the I get the like oh it's good heat mentality and I'm like but sometimes you just want like a nice moment you know what I mean like, just a bit of hope yeah so like what happened on Smackdown was like um Bianca Belair was having a hometown and the reason why the reason why this one I feel was done really really badly is this is a legitimately lovely hometown right because she's from Knoxville they brought back Kane who was you know the mayor of Knoxville County they gave her a key to the city you know what I mean <laughs> she looked genuinely like overcome with emotion and I'm like she has done this momentous thing you know what I mean she's headlined Wrestlemania and like it's it, it just it, it felt like a proper special moment and then Becky interrupts and it's like the promo isn't that great and then like Bianca goes to put her through the table but then Becky slides down hits her the manhandle slam and rolls out and then the show just like ends on like a real like <laughs> dead flat note like it doesn't make me more excited for Extreme Rules but also as well like we've had a whole like year and a half of nobody wrestling in their hometown yeah unless your hometown was the uh, performance centre in which case <laughs> or a Thunderdome in which case live the dream live the dream but there's still no fun so I mean I agree, I actually think like it's, and it makes, you know what, for me, it's like it makes every, like, ran, it makes random episodes of Dynamite stand out. Like that, that Dynamite of like, you know, Britsburg or like, you know, Brian Pillman and John Moxley in Ohio yeah. or whatever, they stand out in my head. Like, I'll remember that, you know what I mean, a year yeah. from now and I'll be yeah. like, oh, we're back in their own day. Yeah. And, it, and it, 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 it makes each episode stand out. That's, that's why I really like it, to be honest. And yeah, like you need, you need to have like have, like you need to have those moments yeah. that make you like oh yeah I like being a wrestling fan it's fun you know yeah, what I mean like, I know we were talking about house shows earlier but like I remember going to a house show and Sheamus was on it and he wrestled John Cena and like after the match John Cena was the champion but he laid the belt to Sheamus's feet and cut a promo was like this is your hometown not mine <laughs> and left Sheamus standing in the ring like to a standing ovation and I'm like. I was like, fuck yeah, you know what I mean? Like, he's from Dublin. I'm, I'm assuming this is before he did that house show where he told everyone to pay their mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was very, I think it was actually before he'd won his first world title and John Cena was basically like, this is coming for you. You know what I mean? Like, it was such a cool not, moment. Not to go on a tangent, right? That's like completely unrelated to what we're talking about, but I find it mad, right? How, what year would it have been? 2010 or something like that when Seamus won the world title yeah. or something like that? I completely missed out on that. That would have actually, and the funniest part is he won it. Cause I only saw this like last year for the first time. You won it cause like John Cena like got sort of pushed or fell backwards through a table off the, off the court. Like I would have screamed if I was watching that live. You know what I mean? I would have been, man, I'm actually rage I wasn't watching for that. Like. Yeah. <laughs> like there's actually a whole article here about people who've been embarrassed in their hometowns. Like The Miz in Cleveland, Edge in Toronto, British Bulldog in Birmingham, Natalie in, in, in uh, Natalia in Calgary, Bret Hart in Montreal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just he hates birthdays and hometowns. Yeah, it is a weird thing. And like to be honest, like <laughs> though it is very funny listening to him because like what I always say is the litmus test is like hit, say what you're saying and then ask yourself is that what they want me to say? Do you know what I mean? And like I get it and I do agree. Where 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 I definitely agree with you is. Do you know what? It would have been nice just to be different for once. It would have been nice if like they did that, teased that it was going to be, because we expect, we yeah. knew as soon as that was the main event, we're like, Becky's coming down and ruining it. And that's where Becky starts to become a proper heel. 
um, and we knew where it was going. So imagine Becky tried to ruin it, but then imagine Bianca got the better yeah. of her, and it's like, oh, oh, they never do it. Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Or even it being like a different segment in the show, yeah. but like for for that to be your like go home off the air. No, no, it's still one more smack. I know, sorry. I know, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it just left everything so flat. Yeah. What's the point in that? Yeah. You know what I mean? I just I just think there it can be great for heel heat in certain circumstances, but this week on SmackDown in particular, I was like it didn't do anything for me. I yeah. didn't think of Becky as more of a heel. I just thought it was a bad segment. Yeah, no, uh, I'll sign off on that. I agree. In the number four, uh, talk about a couple of small things from Dynamite last week. Uh, first up in what is his first and by far least egregious uh, appearance in this week's Say Something Stupid, Jim Ross came across as a fucking psychopath when he did a sit-down interview with Brian Pillman Jr. last week. And did anyone see this? No. He started haranguing him uh, to do his further justice against MJF. And don't get me wrong, I'm not actually angry about the angle that they took with it. Um, because it's like, like JR can do that. He can get a bit emotional and get into the real person. And it makes it kind of like, he's he's the audience avatar in that moment where it's like, beat him, beat him, do your further justice, you know what I mean? And it makes us go, yeah, do it, you know what I mean? Well, um, it got to the point that Pillman at one stage said that he'd let his father down the previous week. And then JR just shook his shoulders in agreement. And he's like, yeah, I guess you did. And it's like, oh, no. The fucking Nick, the absolute Nick. If I was Pillman, I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, my dead father's ex-work colleague. As his son, were you disappointed in me and how I represented someone you worked with three decades ago? My apologies, sir. I, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be back in jail, but that is hilarious, man. I, I actually respect how real this is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess you did. Yeah, that's you let everyone down, and uh, yeah, you ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of when I watched the Olympics and like one of my favourite things in the Olympics was just every time an Irish person lost, I'd be rooting for the Irish people and then every time they lost I'd watch it and work like and people always get real shocked because like they'd be swimming and then they come in eight or something and I'm like after I'd be like yeah yeah come on come on and then like at the end of it I just go Ah, you let your country down. <laughs> <laughs> but secondly, I swear I do not hate Malachi Black. I got, I right, I pretty much like him, but he is back in here yet again. Uh, Malachi will take on Cody tonight in uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium as AEW makes its debut in New York. With the show, of course, headlined by Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson in the non-title match. I imagine we'll be discussing that next week. Uh, he came out to do a promo about Cody before being distracted by actress Rosario Dawson, though, who's also apparently on the Go Big Show with uh, with Cody. Uh, she was in the crowd and he called her out. Now, I get the logic behind celebs be putting it up to wrestlers and not losing face in their interactions. Do you know what I mean? I don't necessarily like it, but at least I understand why companies do it and I get it. But this was ridiculous. They're building Malachi as a killer, yet Rosario is able to get in his face without re repercussions. She's able to be like, oh, come on. And she's not even, like, scared. It's like, and it's not like a man-woman thing or anything like that. It's more just like everyone should be like, oh, shit, Malachi, he's fucked up. He's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, even look at him, like, he looks deranged. Like, that's his idea. Um... And like again, I don't want to give her, I don't want him to give her a spin kick or anything like that. But at least pretend to be scared so that the next part makes a tiny bit sense. Because then Cody made the save, returning to AWTV since his little faux retirement a few weeks ago, through the crowd. And what gets me here is 
what was the plan here? Like, if you think about it, like, it was cool, Cody coming down through the crowd, the crowd cheering, him taking off his jacket, and then Malachi going up and fighting him. But, like, I'm like, what was, why was he in the crowd? <laughs> what was, what was he doing there? Like, was, had he just, has he just been paying into shows for the past few weeks? He's the executive vice president. Like, was he buying some merch? Was it somehow a plan to use Rosario as bait? It's like, Rosario, go out there and I'm going to go about a mile over here <laughs> and just hang out in the crowd. Uh, and was that kind of mind games or just th- did he think it'd be cooler? That is what he thought. Like, let's go. I'm sorry. We know the answer. He just thought it'd be cooler if I walked down. I've always wanted to do that. Um, anyway, look, it just made me think about the variables instead of wanting to see these two fight. Uh, so put this feud alongside the likes of Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon and Cody's last feud with Q- QT Marshall in his stadium or in his stable as being told pretty much entirely true. Say something stupid, unfortunately. Uh, do you remember Cody was one of the hottest acts in pro wrestling a couple of years ago? And now every storyline he's in, it's just... It, it's here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate. But look, again, this match could be good and there's nothing to say that, that he won't pull it back. Uh, anyway, in at number three, let's talk about NXT. Uh, what was my problem with NXT this week? Recycled yeah. gimmicks. Don't say Tony D'Angelo. Don't say that was your problem. <laughs> no, no. He just killed me because he is part of the problem, right? Aww. But I really like him. Like, um, yeah, recycled gimmicks. For something that's supposed to be a new, fresh chapter, there are a lot of familiar things and a lot of stereotypes like Tony Delangelo is a stereotype you know what I mean and it's coincide is there a new Sopranos movie out yeah yeah <laughs> like I mean you know there's a lot of coincidence here yeah he's basically Johnny the Bull from WCW right <laughs> who was one of my favorites but like there's a reason that happened 25 years ago yeah. you know what I mean like there's nothing new or relevant about what he's done so far and we also have um oh god is it JB and BJ, I can't remember their full names, the tag team, but they're basically like uh, like uh, Kate and Murdoch. They're just like bar fighting cowboys. And I'm just like, like it's all just stereotypes. No one is like bringing a fresh edge to them. There's even a girl who came out with bubbles in her entrance and played with the bubbles as she came to the ring. That's just Emma from like the yeah. original NXT. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's... There just wasn't a lot of originality with some of the people, so I was a little bit like, uh, it it makes me worried because they are investing so heavily in all the newer people in NXT. Mm. But there's been some good people as well offsetting it, so like um, I'm gonna give it more of a chance. But I would just like to see like a little bit more originality in the promos and the characters coming through. Johnny reminds you. It reminds you of a like, and I love it. I'll I'll go on probably another rant, and this is awesome. But it reminds me of like, remember when NXT first moved to full sale? And it was kind of like this sort of awkward newness about it, where it's like you have all these like different characters and all just establishing themselves. Yeah. But it was really interesting stuff because you didn't know them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we well, knew some of them. Like obviously, like you know Seth Rollins from Ring of Honor if you followed it, whatever. But like there was a lot of names there where you're like, oh, I've never seen this person before. You know what I mean? They don't be from like FCW, whatever. But um, I, I don't. Know. I love it. I love. I actually, I made it my business to watch NXT before coming here. Like, cause nice. I'm actually, I'm that, I'm like, I'm that into it now. It's fucking dead. Like, I, I like the newer direction as well. Like, because like I had no interest in NXT a mm. month ago because for me it was just like a lot of wrestlers I knew of and didn't have an interest in. I actually like seeing new wrestlers. I just feel like some of the new characters aren't great. Like the other thing was, um, did you see the Toxic Attraction segment? I, so I, this, I, this, is, this is Mandy Rose's new um, new faction with mm. Gigi Dolan and JCJ and it was just like just painfully awkward to watch you know what I mean they're just trying to do like this badass mean girl faction and they're trying to cut like this vicious promo about like the girls in the back but I'm like 
you have no reason to cut this promo. You know what I mean? Like nothing has happened. Like there, there, I, I don't get any of your motivation to be cutting this 10 minute promo on how unfairly you've been treated. Mandy, you've been on WrestleMania. I don't think you can turn around now and say that you've never had a shot or an opportunity. You know mm. what I mean? Like you were going for the tag titles a month ago. She abandoned Taylor Brooks. I just realised that there. Taylor Brooks been on her own now for the last like few months doing nothing. I didn't even realise that. That's a bad. She just started her. She's probably on Raw thinking like, oh, where's Mandy like? It's like, never even thought of that. Yeah, it just it it wasn't great. It was just the like, and it was the whole like, you just hate us because like we're too beautiful and we're too like badass, and it's like. I know, like, go get some, like, actual motivation or yeah. some, like, a, a different story, like, because we've seen this so many times in wrestling, like, the the girl who just thinks, like, she's too beautiful to, like, function, you know mm. what I mean? It's, it, it's just a bit stale. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, in at number two, let's get to NWA. <laughs> I just, the reason I laughed so hard when you mentioned this, because I completely forgot, it was literally this day last week when I watched it and wrote it into the doc, and I actually completely forgot about it, right? So, remember last week, I praised... Uh, a Nick Aldis promo that they did, right? Yeah. So the show started this like like last week with the same thing, right? It was a Nick Aldis promo. This time he was just saying it's Trevor Murdoch instead of the fans. It's kind of the same thing, but he turns around and he's like, <laughs> "This is the NWA, where men are men. This is where we treat the sport of wrestling with respect, the respect that it deserves." Do you know what the main event was? Huh. Jack Stane versus Crimson. In a slap contest, <laughs> as in one one lad stood on one side, the other lad stood on the other side, while Trevor Murdoch was like the media here, and one of them would slap the other one, and then they go, "Ow, my face, that really hurt." Then they would slap the other one, and then it was about four slaps in total until they started brawling. And the entire time during this fucking slap contest, I'm just thinking in my head. We treat the sport of wrestling with respect <laughs> and deserve. And I'm like, what? what is this show like? I'm, like, I'm now I'm giving up actual real time to watch this. Yeah. Like, somebody, I don't, somebody needs to clip that. They need to put the voiceover. Over. <laughs> oh I, I don't have time for this shit. Man. <laughs> There's a video for it. Easy video. Easy when promos video. don't match up to reality. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing stuff. In a number one, on a bit more of a serious note, let's talk about Dark Side of the Ring because it returned with a vengeance this week. And I'm not going to talk about, um, I'm not saying for the record that the documentary itself was stupid or bad or anything like that, but like the themes and the revelations in it were, were quite bad. And, and this is the only place you can really discuss it. It recounted a story that has gone down as quote unquote hilarious and one of these legendary road stories, the plane ride from hell. Uh, but when recounted by the likes of Orvi, D, Tommy Dreamer, Terry Runnels, Jim Ross, just incredible, and one of the flight attendants on board. Um, well, the no holds barred version reads a little differently, and it paints quite a fucking harrowing picture of an industry we're already learning needed to clean up its act before fucking this. Um, so let's get to the revelations here. And what we kind of learned about what this beautiful sport we cover is. <laughs> Derry Runnels spoke about two separate instances, including Brock Lesnar exposing himself to her, with the same quote being fed back to her. Like, somehow more bleak than the things that happened are the advice she got, and the these are the sympathizers and the advice they gave her. The quote that they constantly said to her was, don't sell it. And they made the point, they're like, People keep saying it to you. She's like, oh yeah, no, that's what wrestlers say when something happens to you. Don't sell it. But wasn't that her husband who said that to her? And Paul Heyman. 
Like that's that's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, it's nuts. And the implication in it is to not acknowledge or react to incidents of sexual harassment. There's nothing ha- would happen beyond her harassers being given the satisfaction of knowing that they upset her. This was all painted as normal as evidenced by the fact that there's apparently a fucking catchphrase that even sympathetic people tried out to reinforce this. That's insane. That's how ing- like again when people. This is what I hate about people who minimize these kind of things and these discussions that we've been having way too often that I don't think we want to necessarily have. Um, but what, this is what annoys me because it's like, this is ingrained. Like this, don't sell it. This is an automatic response that people in the industry have it. Do you know what I mean? It's a rest sell. It's a wrestling specific response to sexual harassment. Like that's fucking insane. I never heard that personally before. I don't know kind of if that was a thing, but or maybe it's just a WWE thing. But fuck me, this is how ingrained it is. As the less horrific stories, they were trying to it out, like Michael Hayes having his ponytail cut off, Brock Lesnar and Mr. Perfect brawling while the plane was in the air, and Dustin Runnels using the airplane PA to sing a depressing Don't Leave Me song uh, to his recently divorced ex-wife, Terry. You had Jim Ross give the excuse. This was ridiculous, by the way. And I think Jim Ross got, like, it, it, Jim Ross got away with this. Like, you could have done a, a, a dark side of the ring on just the shit Jim Ross said and how he reacted to this. But he got away with it because he was like the sixth worst thing on this because he turned around and he gave the excuse that it wasn't his job to make sure wrestlers behave by adults I'm sorry JR You're, this is a podcast with two people managers in the hosting team and you can fuck off with that shit immediately if this was one one isolated instant you're not responsible for one man's behaviour you can't be held responsible for that but anyone in any kind of people management position can tell you that if it's a fucking culture where everybody behaves this way while still technically on work time then yes that's on you because you have allowed this culture to happen. Case in point, the current AEW commentator shrugging his shoulders while explaining that Flair got a pass for his sexual assault because he was a made man. He sexually assaulted a contractor, exposed himself to co-workers while in work. You were in charge of talent. This is your responsibility. This is blood on your hands. And that culture we speak of can be described by two words that are repeated on this show constantly. And you've also heard constantly over the past 16 months while we learned about wrestling's dirty little secret. The boys. And because let's talk about Tommy Dreamer here. Let's go into this, okay? Who has been suspended now from his role on Impact Wrestling and had to issue a public apology following his comments as he rationalized Flair's behavior as styling and profiling. (laughs) This was fascinatingly honest from Dreamer and actually gave a good insight into the mindset that goes on here and leads to issues like this, not only in wrestling, but all throughout sports. The notion that wrestlers or athletes are some kind of special kinds of beings who the rules don't apply to, who don't need to get consent because they have a bank balance that means nobody in their right mind would say no at least in their own mind this fun essentially here's another way of putting that dysfunctional fucking man children crippled by their own insecurity that they live in a delusional state where they think the rules just don't apply to them and what's sickening here in this is that we kind of saw this coming we've had discussions on this like on this show on air i remember flair cut a promo and it's like do you know what like 
probably enjoy these kind of things while you can. Because obviously, look, Ric Flair is a talented wrestler. Do you know what I mean? He's done a lot of things within wrestling that are worth enjoying. But it's like, enjoy this while you can. Because we, we kind of knew, we're like, I'm shocked that the likes of him and Lawler haven't got dinged for stuff like this. When kind of you've heard enough whispers around this. Uh, and, and like, even on this flight, there was whispers around it to the point that, like, we, we've discussed it before. That day has now arrived. But look how lo long it took to happen. JR described drinking with Flair as a waiting game until he turned and you got the hell out of there to protect yourself. This man is clearly a fucking shambles of a human being who's been allowed to carry on however he likes because in wrestling, you can do whatever the fuck you want if you can get them five stars, brother. For fuck's sake, for the thousandth time in the past year, you don't get to sexually assault people just because you can do some cool moves, you fucking weirdos. <laughs> Thank God then for Rob Van Dam. As mad as it sounds, the lad who most recently was seen on wrestling TV, on Impact TV, flaunting his sex lives with his two wives in the least politically correct storyline in recent memory, he was the voice of fucking reason here, and he told his story, as he told his story about with the tone of appropriate disgust and disdain that it deserved. It was like, oh my god, there's a human being. There's a human being. There's not Mike Kyoto just going, oh man, that was so fucking funny. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't Tommy Dream are going ah you know it's just he's the nature and he's got such a big dick it's amazing <laughs> it wasn't like these fucking man babies it was an adult somehow rvd is an adult in the room going what the fuck <laughs> um it was so nice to hear someone from within wrestling speak with the measure of sanity and not just laugh about how h-bombing how date rape and sexual assault were literally Things that just happened, they, they admitted this. It was just a thing that happened when the boys got together. Or that the, the, or that the, when they peddled the fucking delusion that this behavior was a thing in the past. When just last year, we learned that this generation is just as bad in many respects. They're just better at acting innocent on Twitter. Like, this is insane something stupid, but this was actually good investigative work by Dark Side of the Ring. To hear all of this told through the victim's eyes, though, who didn't, and, and what made this the most harrowing, and I remember you kind of talking about this, I don't know if it was on or off air, um, but, like, you made a very good point that getting her for this was, was such a good get because she didn't give a fuck who these people were. She wasn't out trying to scandalize them or out for blood. She was very credible and, and real, and, like, as well, she just... She was someone that was kind of used to being around way more famous people, like because we learned that she her her normal line of work was like in doing these kind of flights with NBA and NFL players, like way more famous than wrestlers, um, and that's what put that's what puts it into perspective. So that all that the weirdest of rape apologists on the likes of Facebook or Boards.ie can see the situation for how ridiculous it all is. This kind of behavior doesn't happen in every corner of the industry, but it does happen consistently enough to this day that this is an industry-wide issue. And this is why, despite the fact that we're all personally sick of having these conversations every single week, we're going to keep beating this dead horse. The end result of you hand-waving these issues or allegations is this. When you hear the victim describe how she felt and how it impacted her, consider what, that, that what she went through is at the lesser end of sexual assault compared to many others because of the boys and the culture and the thing Mike Yoda is like, oh man, it was wild. <laughs> like, 
that is the lesser end of this and no matter what they say it's not a different time things haven't dramatically changed they may not do it on charter flights anymore but this behavior clearly is still rife if every woman who's ever been involved in wrestling has still has some kind of story they've either experienced or witnessed can we finally all agree and get on the same page on this people um it was an interesting one like kind of i don't know if you've got a chance to see it or watch it or your own kind of thoughts keen i know kind of you, you you've watched a lot of it and seen a lot of it uh, what are your own kind of impressions yeah i thought it was um i really liked it i really liked the the way they went out of their way to sort of because uh, like i like for, and i've seen people say like oh oh yeah like oh why are we reacting this way now why weren't we always reacting this way because like for me, like, for years, I've heard of, you know, the plane ride from hell and all that, but it was always presented to me as a joke, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, haha, and this is what happened, this is what happened. Their, their decision to go and interview, you know, uh, flight attendants and, and, you know, people who were there, it, for me, it, it showed it for what it was. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a very important documentary, possibly the best one they've, uh, one of the best ones they've made anyway, because it, it highlights an issue that's still very much active in wrestling it's not just something that happened on a plane once or even you know in the past but people have changed i mean it's still wrestling still like that i mean you look at all the people who are still working today in, in different promotions with all sorts of allegations against them like um yeah i, th I, just, I just thought it was a very important documentary and um i'm glad it was made like todd's on tommy dreamer randomly putting himself in the borderline making himself a villain in a story where I literally I never would have I didn't even know he was on the plane the I never I have never once associated Tommy Dreamer with uh, the plane ride from hell but he, he decides like I log I, yeah, I, I went on Twitter the following morning thinking like oh I'm going to wake up and I'm see you know, tweets with Ric Flair or whatever and I just see yeah to see uh, Tommy Dreamer's after torture his own career I was like what and I went in I was like what is he doing like I for me I fully back Impact's decision to um, yeah. to take action as well because that's not you know an old clip that he, you know, he recorded me was, you know, like 30 years ago or whatever. Like, this is like him now as a, as a 50 something year old man or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, this is his mindset. It's the mindset of a lot of people um, in wrestling, you'd imagine, but he's obviously, uh, he's come forward and he's sort of out of himself as, as sort of a, a part of the problem and something that contributes to that sort of culture. So um, I don't, I don't want to see him in Impact or anywhere. I don't give a fuck, I'm not saying, I saw people being like, oh, this is so reactionary or whatever. Nah. I fully, I fully back in back now. I don't want to see, I don't want to see Tommy Dreamer on my fucking screen for any reason. Like, you know what I mean? It was also as well. Like, what I found interesting with watching him was like, it's like this is how he thinks, and he doesn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, that's like, the thing. He, like. he sees it as like he was almost like a like. It was very strange. Like, because whatever you say about it, like, again, and Dark Side of the Ring, like, again, I don't know if this would, like, be a legally binding proof. And I know Flair has come out. We should add that Flair has denied all allegations. So he did the classic thing of, and why, this is when, like, someone's, like, credibility just goes when, like, you see them denying it for me. And this is just my own personal opinion. I don't, I don't want to make a statement of fact. But, like, where someone has to turn around and be like, look, I'm no angel. Like, and it's like, why do you need to say that? Like, do you know what I mean? I remember I read, like, like allegations and the wife came out and defended like her husband from allegations and they're like I know he's not perfect and it's like right you lost me there you lost me there you couldn't even perfect I'm yeah, not on that point what you, makes him not perfect yeah you couldn't even like get through defending him without going right okay there are issues so, Rick Flair is his, his statement was special because he just like I've never seen a response like we've seen a lot of really really particularly speaking out really shite responses yeah. to allegations you know either like half-arsed defending themselves or like you know what i mean apologizing but not apologizing or whatever this was fucking shambolic he literally he turned around and was like this person who is a liar by the way a complete liar uh 
<laughs> but he was right when he defended me. So there you go. <laughs> it's like, what? What? <laughs> what? Oh, no. Also, the opening line of the statement, everyone has told me not to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting, like, because now it's going to... I remember he left WWE and everyone's like, he's going to jump to AEW, this, that, the other. I reckon he... He knew so, this was coming. He knew this was coming and he's like, I'm getting the fuck away from my daughter. Um, and I reckon WWE as well were like, it's probably pretty bad. And I reckon Charlotte was like, it's time to go, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what I found interesting, I didn't watch it because yeah. I just don't like Dark Side of the, the Ring. Yeah. I just like Dark Side of Moon. But like, only Kerr Henning was fired after that. Yeah. Playing Ride from Hell. Was that touched on it at all? There was a whole, and this is the thing, like, you could do a whole documentary on how WWE handled it because then they did a debrief at the end where it's like, this is how we reacted to it. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it was Kurt Henning and Scott Hall as well. Who uh, was apparently like confirmed to have not taken part in any incident. He was asleep for most of the flight. Well, no, 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 no. You, no this is why you should yeah, watch it. Oh, okay, it. really? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I've always he, heard. He also sexually assaulted the same poor flight attendant. What? Yeah. yeah. Now, he claims that he was H-bombed and that seems like a somewhat credible claim. So it's a different... Scenario like okay. it's slightly different, yeah. but still not good because, like, you know, if I was asleep and someone woke me, my instinct wouldn't be I need to lick their face immediately. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's not a great instinct, yeah. but like, also may have been drugged. Like, nobody comes out of this yeah. clean. And then Jr. Like, like Jr. Had to, he got asked like this was very interesting where they're like, why did Ric Flair not get sacked for this? And he's like, he got a pass. No, but it was the fact as well where he was like. Was that the wrong thing to do? Was that the right thing to do? That's for you to decide. It's like, that's, you know. Yeah, first of all, one, is the wrong thing to do. <laughs> and two, you know that's the wrong thing yeah. to do. That is, him asking that question is, or being like, oh, I don't know. It's like, you do know. That's yeah. why you're wording it that way. You know that was the wrong thing to do. And you don't want to have to accept it 20 years later. But it, it, like, it was 100%. He, he yeah. was very much like, he went to pains to be like, I didn't do it. You know, yeah, what I mean? he was he would he would like Jr. look at him out as looking very bad, but because there are so many people ahead of him in the queue, yeah, he get he gets a pass. <laughs> you know I mean? Say Jr. coming out with something for saying something that looks bad is hardly shocking. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just like yeah, that's just good old Jr. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was it was it was an interesting one, and yeah, it's it, it was it was good work by Dark Side of the Ring. Don't get me wrong, and I think the the the. It's a heavyweights are going to keep falling because I think this Chris Canyon episode is going to we've talked spoke about kind of the rumors before as, as regards the Undertaker and stuff like that and I think it's going to be we're, we're post Ric Flair and Tommy Dreamer now who knows who will be post this time next week so uh, good work for Dark Side of the Ring anyway it is interesting to watch and, and kind of again like giving us that perspective really really changed like you said wouldn't have been a story that had been told as a joke and a funny rib like a rib story for WWE had they made a cartoon they, didn't they yeah they had a cartoon now it wasn't necessarily about the, the specific flight but it was the same idea you know what I mean Ric Flair going around you know without his robe and celebrating it and you know what I mean like is it ha ha Ric Flair they took it down off Peacock they literally the second that uh Dark Side of the Ring aired cause, but somebody uploaded it onto Twitter and I saw it and I was like it always oh, so dark to look at because you're like oh. fucking like this is this is awful and they're, they're presenting it like it's a joke you know what I mean oh oh yeah no it's bad and that's that's yeah wrestling this is this the sport we love <laughs> let's try and remind ourselves why we love it anyway and get talking about the positive because it's time for <laughs> 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 the best part 
number six. Let's talk about SmackDown. Um, yeah, it looks like they're finally doing something interesting with Naomi on SmackDown. Like, I don't want to hold out too much hope because I feel like Naomi gets a short end of the stick a lot when she gets like a little push in WWE. And it, it was just a very small thing this week. It was a backstage segment with Sonya Deville where basically she was just like given out that she hasn't had a match and how long she's been there and how disrespected she feels and like you know kind of like squaring up to Sonya Deville being like like what is the issue here why am I not getting my matches like I am I am by far deserving of them I've been here longer than you and it just kind of showed like a little spark because I feel like Naomi gets all these half pushes and then they kind of like disappear and then she just gets really sad on Twitter whereas it's nice to actually see that be used productively in a mm-hmm. storyline and it'll get people behind her because she's basically saying what a lot of her fans say like why is she not getting matches why is she not being pushed like yeah. why is this happening and um, so I just kind of I, I, I find it really interesting they're giving her that little bit of an edge and especially the last year she's always been presented as such as just like happy-go-lucky yeah. baby face so to give her this little bit of like anti-authority edge stand up for yourself like push your way onto the show like I, I think if they keep going with it it could be really beneficial to her and in a women's division that badly badly needs people and good storylines and um, I think it's it's going to be really welcome I just hope they they run with it because all that was mentioned afterwards was Naomi tweet like I can't believe I got fined for that but like it wasn't on like WWE.com, it wasn't yeah. mentioned anywhere else, it wasn't referenced on the show. Like so, whether they reference it next week, I don't know. I hope they build on stuff like that. Um, but it's just it's just something interesting that I like what they're doing with it. Um, oh my god! Like for me, I love how they built this uh, week to week. And like for me, I just like I'm a big Naomi fan. I think yeah. if you look at SmackDown's women's division, you can very clearly divide it in half. Yeah. At the top, you've got in the top tier, you've got uh, Bailey, Sasha, who are both out. Becky, Bianca. Shotzi, Tegan, and I'd put Naomi in there as well. And then you've got kind of like the rest, you know what I mean? Oh, maybe Tony Storm actually you put in the top top tier as well. Um, but uh, for me, like I've always been a big fan of Naomi because there's so many things I can fucking do with her. Like when she was in the Royal Rumble, was it? This year was the Pandemic Rumble, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you remember that? She was in there as like, um, just as a baby face, like Naomi, really colorful, bringing, you know, Bit like a different energy to the ring, and this got like mad popular with non wrestling fans. Oh, it's got like mainstream yeah. attention. Yeah. yeah, it was going, and they did nothing with it. I'm like, why are you doing nothing with it? She's fucking deadly. Like, even the wrestling fans think she's deadly, and non wrestling fans think she's deadly. Do run with that, do something with that, and they did nothing. And then on the flip side, you could have her do something cool. I mentioned like how cool it would have been to have like Naomi get managed you know, by an MVP or someone like that, you know what I mean? And, and make her a badass, make do what she's doing now with, with you know, squaring up to Sonya Deville and people like that. There's loads, I think Naomi for me is, is possibly the most underutilised wrestler yeah. in WWE, so I'm delighted to see it. I think SmackDown is definitely the brand for her. Like, like I'd love to even see some interaction, you know, with her husband, whose entire storyline is based around family on the same show. Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she doesn't have to join the bloodline, but like, even like, a little bit of cross yeah. cross What are you doing? Yeah, just be like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, what you can do, what you can do is, you would have her be like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Well, this lad's a psychopath, he's turning his back on the family, and then Rain sends out some, someone else on the roster to go and get her, to fight with her you know what I mean there's yeah. so many like there's so many ways you can deal with it like just oh man I, 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 I think they've really like missed a trick by not utilising her in there with something to do with the Usos over the last few months like where she just could have been that extra little thing you but know then I mean? you never know maybe that's what it leads to maybe the idea is 
Naomi's ignoring her. Adam Pearce is ignoring her. She's not getting any matches. So the head of the table takes charge, and yeah, you, you never like that would be class. She yeah. joins the bloodline. It yeah. would be amazing. Yeah, like and it'd be something where like they take they, they hold all the belts then. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Like there there is potential there. I just hope they use it because yeah, it makes no sense. Like she's so good, she gets so over. There's no reason why, unless we learn that there are so unless there's a dark side of the ring happening as we speak. Like you know what I mean? Or did this theory that she's being punished for the the Usos. You know what I mean? Because they can't punish the Usos. Right? Yeah. Like, She's like, stay, have another drink, Jamie, you're fine. <laughs> um, in a number five, let's talk about NXT. Yeah, NXT, so uh, main event was really, really good. I just loved it. Um, it was Pete Dunne and Rich Holland against uh, Tommaso Ciampa and my new favourite wrestler, Ron Breaker. Um, <laughs> I feel like we can't say his name enough. Um, I, I just feel like he's an absolute star. I am so on the Braun Breaker train, it's unbelievable. Did you see his promo at the start of the show? Yes. He sounds just like his dad. I know. The exact it's same. The exact same, like. His movement in the ring is incredible and so like them, you know what I mean? He's just, he's just like, that's what I want from NXT as a developmental, you know what I mean? Like, I want people like Braun Breaker who are just like so fresh and so exciting and like, like I am buying you in the main event on your second week on NXT. Mm. Like this, this, this proves that like developmental TV can work because they've introduced you really well, and they're like, like, I, and I don't feel like I'm the only one on the Braun Breaker train. I feel no. like a lot of oh, people no, are yeah. on it. Like, and, and, and do you know what they've actually done? That's brilliant. Like the thing they've done with the Steiner name. Now you're seeing people like, and it's similar to the Naomi thing, where you're almost like taking something away from her, and that gives her momentum. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like everyone is kind of getting to like call him Steiner, call him. <laughs> yeah. So now everyone is like sneaky, getting invested in her. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And there is there is momentum very much building. Like like every Wednesday for the past couple of weeks on Twitter, it's been like Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker, Braun yeah. Breaker on Twitter. Like so, oh, yeah. I got Braun Breaker versus Samoa Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stick up for his dad. Like. Yeah, I just I just love his style. I like that. I think there's so many good matches now straight away that like I I could see with him in it. Man, like there's so much on this show that I fucking loved, and I'm so excited for it. like even even at the opening segment where you got all these mad weird characters yeah. and like you haven't seen before, and then they're all uh, they're all sort of like over the top and weird, and then the, the diamond mine come out, and I'm like oh, forgot about these lads. Yeah, I know. See, that didn't do it for me. I was like, you're launching a new NXT, you know, whatever. Don't open with a Roderick Strong match. I'm not into it. I don't care how good his conditioning no. is. Like you're <laughs> switching, you're switching the the cruiserweight title like with no hype with like i i felt it was very flat you know what i mean like no i love was. this a lot of people a lot of people are on your side this one, but i love it <laughs> i loved it i love first of all i adore the diamond mine i don't know what it is they just i just think they're fucking class i think it was because i was rooting for them when they first showed up on the like sort of the original nxt style but i remember hearing that like arturo who has got released and then marina shafir got released and then um tyler rust got released and I was like, man, this 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 team's getting shafted. Like these, like Malcolm Bibbins and like Roderick Strong by his side, but they should have a faction. This is good. Then they bring in the Cree brothers and they all. Oh. I like them. I think they're <laughs> very good. I just don't want to see Roderick Strong. <laughs> I see. For me, like I love seeing the old like those that got left behind and didn't get out in time and now they're stuck with all these like kids and I find it really funny because it's just like in amongst all this madness you see Roderick Strong like oh yeah Roderick Strong's a kid or I forgot about that and then it's like he wins the Cruiserweight title and like it's so funny like he wins the Cruiserweight title and out of nowhere it's like I'm Grayson Watt 
I'm gonna go for your title. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't know. Like maybe he might be running. I do, but I love the confidence. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's so crazy. Like so, like segment to segment. I don't know what's gonna happen next. <laughs> yeah, genuinely. I'm like, and it's the mixture of seeing people like from the old NXT that are still there, and it's brand new faces, and they all like the old faces almost have lost. They're like, what the fuck? Where do I fit in here? Now? You know what I mean? I'm like, but that's. I like that because like it does genuinely feel like somebody described it in a promo as a, it may have been the one and only Grayson Waller himself um, described it as you know a jungle and that's how it feels it feels yeah. like a jungle it feels like everybody's like really like they see an opportunity and they're all, they're all going it's like they had like the gates were like like they had like all these wrestlers ready to go like behind the gates and they finally just opened them and all the wrestlers ran in at the same time they're like I want you I want you I want you know what I mean it's just a big massive brawl I love it like, think about how crazy it is well the amount of people they've released and the roster is still so big that next week is going to be week three of the reboot and we still haven't seen like Io Shirai have a match. We still haven't seen Raquel Gonzalez. We still haven't seen like all these like big NXT stars. Mm. They've barely been on it. Man, it's so weird. When Raquel Gonzalez showed up in that backstage segment, I was like, oh yeah, what the fuck? And Io Shirai and Zoe Starks, I was like, man, I completely forgot these people existed. I was like, because yeah. it, it like... Raquel Gonzalez established herself, even though like, I understand this version of NXT, can, well, I don't know how long Raquel Gonzalez has been wrestling, but she's not really like an indie star, you know what I mean? I could, I could be dead wrong when I say that, but just personally, I didn't know her before NXT, so it's like, it would make sense that she'd be the champion in this era of NXT, but she'd made her name in like the previous era, so it's so weird seeing her now, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about it. It's so weird, because I'm kind of like, I just, I'm just so excited to see what they do next. I genuinely, again, I don't feel like there's a plan. I feel like there's just like, right, we'll see what happens. And I'm just like, great. It's like they just, do you remember the Raw Roulette? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like they're just spinning the wheel and seeing yeah. what happens. I'm like, Debbie. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, your perfect job. But yeah, they just point at like some random like 20 year old like trainee that's wrestling one match like you. Main event, I'm like, alright! <laughs> I, I, I love looking them up and seeing like, were they indie stars? And I'm yeah. like, I don't know a lot about the American indies, so like, I'm looking people up to see if they have a history or are they fresh. Actually, one gimmick I did love, I think it's a lot of potential, um, Joe Gacy, who is doing a political correctness spokesman gimmick. And it could go the wrong side. Back, I think it, it did get us the one, that's the one thing I saw a lot of people shitting on, like, when I, when I woke up this morning. Like, I wouldn't pick serial killer's name. <laughs> like I think I think Gacy should be one of them names that's kind of off limits for you know mm. like if you're picking a stage name don't pick like Gacy or like you know it's not his actual name he's been Joe Gacy for like years really yeah he's been Joe I remember him in CZW years ago being Joe Gacy I'll give him oh well Joe. CZW it probably makes sense to the serial killers <laughs> like he's he's not far off oh no it's <laughs> Joseph Ruby is his real name there you go not quite as intimidating to be no. fair. <laughs> like, I, I found his I the found overshot his, though. <laughs> I found his promo really interesting because like I, it, it can get really bad really quickly because he's skirting the line of like political correctness. Like he's talking about how he's never used his like male privilege to like advance in society and stuff like that. It's like he's hitting all the right bu- buzzwords. It's a heel. It just it can go very wrong. Yeah. Um, but like trying to do like the handshakes and stuff after matches. I, like I, there's something there. Like there's something interesting and fresh in there. As somebody who followed, like I didn't watch it, but I followed Two Five Live to see like who was wrestling on it for the last like, couple of months. It's also very interesting because Joe Gacy, Joe Gacy got signed fucking forever ago. Joe Gacy's been around. Like he was on the Indies and then he got signed by WWE. Like I would say, probably before the pandemic. Like we're talking about like, a long time ago, and he's just been there doing nothing for like ages. And there's people on Two Five Live that you just haven't heard of. That like Grayson Waller would be another one where I'm like I never heard him. the reason I laughed I never heard him speak before I just saw his name on 205 Live and like all these other names that are like 
I'm like, oh yeah, you know what I mean? Like performance center recruits, are like, or, or, you know what I mean? I also, also, I find a lot of potential in uh, Carmelo Hayes and who's his friend, Trick mm. Williams, I think. I find there's something, they stand out a little bit. When I saw them like at the start of the show, like standing in the big group of people, I was like, I think the two of them are gonna be fucking stars in the, in the NXT. I just, I don't know. There's certain people where I'm like, they have a certain charisma about them. Obviously Jones as well, yeah. I, I thought it was, was really funny. Like, <laughs> when he started like, ripping into LA Knight being like, yeah, yeah you lost twice yeah. in one night. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, that popped me. And I like the university guy from the promo we had. Yeah, yeah, I like what they're doing with him. Segment, yeah. He's another name who kind of showed up during the breakout and, and like, he had a match, but he kind of just, you can't lose. Oh, yeah. That's what they reference in the yeah, promo. So he lost his breakout match and he's, he's, he's doing like a study of like why Odyssey Jones is a bad wrestler and he's showing the clip of him like of how he got caught in a crucifix and someone's just like, did you not lose in round one? And he just <laughs> loses his shit and I was like, this is good, this is fresh, yeah. like I'm into this as well. There's, there's honestly there's so much I love about it. I'm really, really into NXT. Yeah, like, you, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, I love this from Impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really, really hopeful for this. We're getting it. Delighted. Um, Impact had Victory Road, I think it was during the week. Yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't have time to watch it, but I did. Um, I did see what they're doing for the main event. So, Josh Alexander defended his X Division Championship against uh, Chris Saban, which is uh, pretty cool. And uh, after the match, he beats Chris Saban, and Chris Saban whispers something in his ear. I don't know what it is, but it's not like a little thing. Like, you, like the commentators reference it and they make like it's it's very like it's not subtle. You know what I mean? It's like he's whispering something in his ear. So main event comes around. The Christian Cage versus Ace Austin. Ace Austin loses. Christian Cage walks out as the Impact World Champion. Except before he leaves, out comes um, Josh Alexander with his belt, and he says, "I am cashing in option C at Bound for Glory in the main event. Josh Alexander versus Christian Cage for the Impact World Championship. I am." Fucking buzzing for this match. I love Josh Alexander. I back him week after week after week. I talk to you about how good he is. Um, what one of the best exhibition champions in years? Um, somebody you can put on banger matches. It, it feels like he's another one of these wrestlers who kind of like Daniel Garcia. You kind of see him on almost every indie. I feel like he just he just doesn't stop. Um, and I think the main event, Ben for Glory, is gonna be an absolute banger. I think he's gonna win it, and I think he's gonna be the the Impact World Champion for quite a while. They really really found something gold in a. Josh Alexander and I can't wait. This this for me is Ben for Glory worthy main event. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's really really cool. It's proper idea and like sorry, impact homemade star against yeah. like, the world stage, like AEW guy. But it's also palatable, like it's very believable that that Josh is gonna win this. Like, so. It's also um you could also look at it as two impact lads as well, with all the history that Christian yeah. Cage has. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Christian Cage is a former exhibition champion. If he is, that's cool because they were doing a thing where Josh Alexander is calling out every former exhibition champion to beat them and all that, so that'd be really cool if he was. Um, but it's also, yeah, it's the past of TNA versus the yeah. present, the future of TNA, so, or, or Impact, whatever, but it's it's great. Like, I'm yeah. really, really loving it. So, and I love if after uh, Omega loses to Hangman, I love we got um, Omega versus Josh Alexander for, for the Impact title. Like, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving this. I think it's great. Interesting stuff. In at number three, uh, I want to talk about AEW Rampage. There was one clear standout moment from it, and, and, and all of AEW last week, uh, in fact. Uh, and, and honestly, I didn't expect it to be this. Uh, because truth be told, as much as our AEW debut got a big pop, 
I was on the fence about Ruby Soho, uh, and like, and, and her being treated as this amazing signing. Like, I know they haven't made her on the same par as CM Punk or Brian Danielson, but like, she, she they've kind of like they've been like, look, lads, we got her, we got Ruby Soho, and I'm like, yeah, but she was grand in WWE, like she was grand, like, but also as well, if you're to ask me, like of classic matches that like she had or anything like that. I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can think of one like statement Ruby match. Do you know what I mean? What match do you think of when you think of Ruby Riot in WWE or anything? Maybe she's got this amazing back catalog at the end. She probably does. Like she's a good wrestler. Um, and like her, her in-ring work is crisp and tight, but she never really seemed to put it all together in WWE. So to me, this isn't like slating her, but what I needed was I needed selling on her. Do you know what I mean? I needed them to heat me up and, and like get me behind her and her motivations or credentials ahead of her title match with Britt Baker this week. Um, and that, that's all I needed. And you know what? They did it. They sold me. This is amazing. This is fantastic. The promo they cut on Rampage wasn't anything fancy. There was no bells, no whistles. It was two people and they both had mics and they both used them liberally. Um, and, and we already knew Britt could speak. We knew that going into it. But Ruby also brought it on the mic as she needed to. And they both clearly just agreed. Do you know what? And this is one of my favorite things in wrestling where people are just like bought into the cause and they go, oh, do you know what? Let's go for this. Let's fucking go for it. And let's like put our feelings aside. Like, We'll, we'll, we'll get in a few fucking real digs and like people will go oh and I'll buy into our match um, and they hit each other with zinger after zinger after zinger that got across both people's characters the reason that they clashed as personalities their motivation to beat each other beyond the championship and then they made us believe and truly buy into the animosity between them so basically a checklist of absolutely everything you're looking for in one promo they nailed it in this uh, Brit went for Ruby being an outsider uh, only for Ruby to fire back at the Brit was the same as every other girl she'd been across the ring from the exact quote was entitled self-centered and banging some guy in the back i was like oh and ruby's reaction was even brilliant our prince reaction was just like i got nothing <laughs> her face expression was fantastic like and it was just like oh uh, and it was a cool line but like you've got loads of those little shoot pew pew lines these days what made it was Brit firing back a Ruby's little runaway moniker that she's adapted in AEW saying, You're not a runaway, you got fired. <laughs> it was brilliant. And by acknowledging these things that we know to be true, and also by allowing both to air their grievances and also get a chance to acknowledge legitimate criticisms that people like, so these are little things that people could say about either of them. Do you know what I mean? By airing that out and letting the other person come back. You're then dispelling them. You're taking them off the table as criticisms. It's really like it's clever. It's confident um, booking and writing, and it, it like it tells a story. And it just again, it just takes away any stick that you you could beat them with. It, they're just going, I'll take that. You know what I mean? And it's really good. And it, it, it like again, it achieves anything. Um, I, like and now I'm in. I still haven't seen that Ruby Soho classic match, but like now I don't need to. She's earned her spot to me uh, to turn like she's earned her like her her opportunity to turn me and many others into a super fan. I'm there. I'm like you, you know what? Give me a great match here, and, and I'll, I'll, I'm in. I'm your fan. Um, with a big performance courtesy of this promo, and now Brit is also perfectly poised to have another legacy making match in the AW Women's Division, and this time one that sorely needed with the belt on the line. I actually can't wait for this match tonight and maybe the one that 
I, I like Omega Daniels is like that's gonna be great but this is also like this is actually the one I'm heated for so it's the one because Omega Danielson is, is going in a little dry like if I'm being honest you know what I mean it's just like they just announced it last week and they're like it's not gonna be for the belt but we're doing it and it's like okay that's you're just doing the big match that everyone wants you know I just presumed it wasn't gonna happen <laughs> No, they have to, because it's Arthur Rash Stadium, it's a big show, they need the big match. It's kind of indie booking, do you know what I mean? Where it's like, here's the two wrestlers you want to see, we're just giving you the match. It's probably weird, because normally I'd be like, yeah, well, this, like, even though they didn't build it up, it's almost like, I don't know, it's just like, I'll, I'll, I'm actually so the, excited. The like, yeah. name, the, like, this is the thing, like, you're like, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but also, the two names, <laughs> it's like, but then how many times have we seen these three matches over the years, where... But also, how many times have we seen that in WWE? So maybe in AEW, they'll just nail it. So who knows? Like, But this is the match I'm actually heated for. This is the match that I'm into. Um, and, and I got into it where I'm like, literally, I watched this the promo and I'm like, I need to be sold on this. And, and, and afterwards, I'm like, you sold me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did it. <laughs> a really, really stellar work from them. In a number two, um, since we did our little draft a few weeks ago, um, we kind of, you know, Katie, we, we assumed that you with the number one pick <laughs> came out with the better end of the draw. What we didn't take into account is that Katie Harvey is terrible at drafts. It's a historical <laughs> fact in Low Blows canon. Um, so let's talk in a number two about Raw. Did, did you enjoy fact? Did, did you enjoy your Naomi backstage segment? Smackdown <laughs> <laughs> like, was good, alright? I was just... I picked one thing to talk about in the spotlight. Oh, well, I'm, I'm gonna pick the entire show! Because I can't, because I really enjoyed it. I just it. think this is a lie. <laughs> I just think it's a lie. It's you not a lie. Believe it. This is the best episode of Raw I have seen in forever. Whoa. I mean fucking forever. This is a banger. We, we mentioned earlier about uh, them hitting the panic button because AEW is now like like really like it's catching up in yeah. terms of ratings. Yeah, they, they shot themselves. <laughs> and you know what? I love it. I know people say like, oh, like I don't believe necessarily everything WWE does is like a reaction to AEW. Like yeah. at SummerSlam there are certain things where I'm like, nah, they probably would have done that anyway. You know what I mean? Like it's a big show. This was very much like I very much believe, you know, this is because of AEW. Like the way things are moving so much faster than they normally would. You know what I mean? But it's oh, it's so good. So we open up the show with a match that I wanted to see for ages, and I saw people complain and be like, "Oh, this is hot shot booking and whatever, whatever." I'm like, putting the title on Big E and calling that hot shot booking, I get because you know you you potentially robbed somebody of a moment that they could have built to over over you know better and then could have had a proper reign and a proper plan. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to a world title, I can kind of understand the whole hot shot booking thing. But it's almost like, I feel like if Raw books any good match now, it's going to be like, oh, hot shot booking, you know what I mean? It's like, who cares, man? Like, we, this Raw opened up with the bloodline against the New Day, right? Yeah, like, that is a dream Survivor Series match, but it's also a dream Raw match. You can have yeah. it on Raw. <laughs> you can have it on SmackDown. You can even have it on main events. You know what I mean? Like, it's a fucking banging match, and I'm delighted I got to watch it um, in the opening of Raw. They didn't even go, like, oh, they didn't go too crazy with it. It's not like, you could easily do that rematch again on Survivor Series yeah. and go go more in depth on it. Basically it was um, 3v3 and in comes my man Bobby Lashley just beats the absolute fuck out of, um, out of the New Day and uh, the bloodline win but what makes this even more interesting was it wasn't just he, he beat the shit out of New Day, he comes in afterwards and just fucking spears Roman Reigns and when he did that I was like oh <laughs> Oh, he just speared the big dog. <laughs> like a fucking child. I was like, oh my god. You can't 
do that. Like, yeah, literally, I was like, how can you do that? <laughs> that's how that's how well they built Roman Reigns. Him being on Raw makes it so special, and him like. <laughs> <laughs> like him getting attacked by someone is like such a big deal. I'm like, oh my god! Like you know, I mean, usually when somebody attacks Roman Reigns, now I'm like, oh, they're gonna get their head kicked in, man. They're gonna get battered. It's like, I don't know. It's like he's a gang member or something. It's like, oh, yeah. he's like, yeah, his brother after. He's he's like, <laughs> his, his brother. He's like, you slag off his little brother. Like, I'll get my brother after you. My brother's Roman Reigns. Like, oh bollocks. Oh sorry. sorry. <laughs> 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 it's like it's a massive, massive deal. Like. Um, so Lashley came in, no folks given, spears Roman Reigns. My only complaint about this, right? And it's it's going back now, right? My only complaint is so MVP is out, and that's unfortunate. They can't really do a huge amount about that. He got they reference his injury being um a rib from an RKO that he suffered like last week, but it's actually a knee injury that he decided to get fixed while he was out. Um so um yeah, it, it's a it's a long term injury, whatever. I'm hope, hopefully he'll be back because if he's not resting, he can still manage whatever when he comes back from surgery. But um when I was watching the new day against the bloodline. I'm like, man, 3v3, v1. If, La- if only Lashley had two friends that could back him up in a faction, perhaps. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh. And it's like, I look at like where Cedric Alexander is now and where Shelton are now, and I'm like, man, like everyone said this is a shite idea at the time. And it was. Like, <laughs> like nobody, oh, man. That's my only complaint. It was really it was really enjoyable. Lashley does look strong standing alone as well, to be yeah. fair. But um, it would have been cool to have Cedric and Shelton with him, though, I just think. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, maybe, even though it would make no sense in storyline, I would love to see them reunite regardless. <laughs> we go from that to Orton versus Styles, right? A match that I did on paper, I'm like, yeah, whatever, I don't really care. This match is a fucking banger. <laughs> and the best part was the ending as well, right? AJ Styles went for the flying forearm, and Randy Orton, in the past, has countered that into an RKO. AJ Styles goes for it and goes to jump, and then Orton goes for the RKO, and AJ Styles just he jumps like, whoa, and he like gets, pulls himself down off the rope, and like, Orton's like, whoa, <laughs> like going for an RKO, and they kind of just like, it cancel each other out, Orton won, but it was just a really, really good match, I, I kind of, I like when they throw in like, sneaky good matches like that, we've seen it before with like, the other week with Sheamus, and Priest, and McIntyre, and all that, um, I just thought that was really cool, yeah. um, then, right, Shayna and Nia Jax. I know, look, I know weird, weird things put in this is awesome. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, what I do like about this was it was Shayna versus Nia. Shayna won in like two minutes, just choked Nia Jax out and beat the shit over afterwards. Now, the one thing I didn't like was the fact that like when Nia Jax was screaming, and Nia Jax made it sound like she was literally just stabbed. It was excellent stuff. Genuinely, if you didn't, if you tuned in like two minutes late, you'd sort of be like, fuck happened here? Like, you know what I mean? She just sort of screaming. But um, Shayna looked a bit kind of remorseful and I'm like oh no don't 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 drag this out don't make this like a you know oh my friend Nia Jax me and Nia Jax oh, you know it can you know conflicted emotions just go fucking all out and be like um like just go all out and just like right she killed Nia Jax move on you know what I mean I've said it last week I want Shayna to be like the champion I want Shayna to be number one in her division but I feel like beating Nia Jax in two minutes and just destroying her with no bullshit yeah. is like definitely it's a step in the right direction so that's why that belongs here Nah, this, this, I forgot, sorry, I'm just looking at the things I have written out. This is the reason I have it in, like, it, I'm, I'm buzzing with Raw, honestly, right? I had a rant saved up for a quiet week about Raw, where I was like, I was going to rant about how they're not using Cedric, how they're not using, you know, a list of names of people who I think should be um, utilised better. Shane was another name on the list. Um, but two names I had on that list where I was like, man, these people need to be fucking used. It's disgraceful how they're on fucking main event every week instead of actually wrestling. Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. Who showed up as a tag team? Two cousins, by the way. Who showed up as a tag team this Monday night on Raw? 
it was Humberto and Angel Garza. Hence, hence I was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they came out, and not only were they teaming, they fucking won. They took yeah. on Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, and they won, which yeah, means great. this is a great match. There's a plan here, and that was only a couple of minutes. These these yeah. four lads could go on for 20 yeah. minutes and put on an absolute banger if they wanted to. Yeah. These the chemistry that Humberto and Angel Garza are gonna have going forward, they can do so fucking much with these ones. I'm telling you now, this easily these could be like the next raw. Raw Titan champs and they can put on fucking bangers. Oh, yeah. Next London and Kendrick. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> like, they kind of have that vibe. I, I, like, I really, 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 really have so much faith in this tag team. I think they're going to be fucking excellent if, if WWE are, are going to you know, push them like they should, in my opinion. They have a draft and I'd love to see them go to SmackDown a few of the years. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> the Usos, Street Profits, oh, the New Day as well. I mean, who knows? You know, there's, yeah. there's so much potential here when it comes to this tag team. I'm so fucking excited, man. This is... This, this is like what I'm excited over Raw. That's that's the, that's the Alberto Carrillo effect, as, <laughs> as the scientists call it. Um, then yeah, new women's tag team champions. This is this is, wasn't like amazing, but this is good. Like this is it's um, Mickey Ash and Rhea Ripley. They're a tag team, an established team. They've beaten Tamina and Natalia. It means the belts are off Tamina and Natalia. It's not like it's just that like I wanted I wanted the title change because. Um, Tamina and Natalia, I've said already, they've lost so often. I'm kind of like, what is the point of them being champions? So they're not champions anymore. Kind of would like to Shotzi and Tegan instead that won it. But then they could feud with Nikki and Rhea, or they could go on a sing- they could add to the singles depth in- on the SmackDown roster as well. There is yeah. that. So good move overall, I think. And then the main event, man, the fucking main event, right? <laughs> Bobby Lashley. Biggie, Roman Reigns, and I'm like, what a match! They just what the away. fuck, man? Yeah. This is like, this is the sort of shit that should be on Raw. You know what I mean? This yeah. is none of this fucking multi-man tags or drawn out shite. You know what I mean? This is a proper like, this this could have made an event of the pay per view. You know what I mean? And uh, no title on the line, which is a good thing because it means like, right, I don't know who's gonna win. I genuinely didn't know who's gonna win. I was like, right, Roman Reigns, you'd imagine is the favorite, but because it's triple threat, he doesn't need to be pinned. So I'm like, okay, Lashley will probably be the favorite to get pinned, but then. It's not for the title. Maybe he could pin Big E and then go for a one-on-one match later on. Or, you know, because they're obviously still... Lashley's still being portrayed as a massive threat as well. Even when he lost, it's, he still looked pretty strong in it. So, like, it was just... And it was so good. It was so good. I didn't know what way it was going to go. And even when I saw the... When I saw that this match was coming up, I'm like, right, the Usos can interfere. New Day can interfere. Um, you know, there is, like, uh, Goldberg could interfere. Um, there's... A whole wealth of names that could interfere now, you know what I mean? That are like that are involved with all these characters. Finn Balor could interfere, you know what I mean? I was like, there's so many surely interference is nailed on here somewhere down the line. And they didn't. There was no bullshit. It was just a banging fucking main event mm-hmm. where you didn't know what way it was gonna go. It, it felt like there was, even though there was no title stake, what there, well, there was stakes. I mean, those are big enough stars where it wins and losses matter among those yeah. three, you know what I mean? Um and I loved it. I loved it. I, I finished that episode wrong. Like, man, why the fuck? How can, how are they able to do that? And then like, like do that more. Like that's, <laughs> you wouldn't be involved in a big fucking dramatic rating scrap now if it was like that for, you know, obviously the pandemic has then made things a bit more difficult, but even in the last few months and the shite that we've seen, like even like, I, I, I didn't watch it except Charlotte. I've seen people saying that segment wasn't as bad because they're not, um, apparently, they're not leaning into the supernatural with Alexa kind of came back for a segment she kind of she cut her problem as herself again. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I didn't put it in because I didn't watch it, but I heard other people were saying that like, uh, yeah, apparently it was like <laughs> she turns around and talks about how unoriginal Charlotte is with her robes and her woo, and then Charlotte's like, "Well, let's not talk about originality." And it was like, <laughs> "Oh, 
<laughs> so apparently they're 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 leaning into the fact like you know all right we're not gonna do any of these bullshit games with like Charlotte going ah oh, a puppet you know what I mean yeah. it's like they're being a bit more genuine I'm like that's that's the direction you want to head in so for me there was so many directions I went yeah. in with this episode of Raw that I thought like man this is so good yeah. <laughs> I I know and the casting is just for a weird as well because I cover it for the podcast and because um of AEW piling on the pressure. I'm now really excited for Raw. Like even if it's shy, I'm really excited to see what happens and what developments are made. So it's actually really funny, like I'm proper buzzing for it. Yeah. Again, I don't believe you. Well, I'm telling the truth, Kane. I mean it. Raw. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> to be fair, it is a question. Would Keen like pretend that everything on Raw was amazing to annoy Kane? <laughs> I believe it. So yeah, I do yeah. see your point. Like I do believe like, you would. But I also saw this show, and this show was quite. Good. Imagine after my run three down, I'm in my room going. Watched <laughs> <laughs> three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I the annoying thing is, I'm probably gonna watch. The majority of Raw this week. Wait. I am excited to see like the new day versus the the yeah. bloodline and stuff. But like, I was gonna watch it your day, but part of me was like, you can't watch it now. You're making us. <laughs> <laughs> and that's am I right in saying that was a go home show for Extreme Rules? Yeah. Best go home show I've seen since I was eight. That. <laughs> well, let's talk about what it did to Extreme Rules in a bit, like, cause that that's also an interesting kind of side effect. But what I love about it is the fact that it wasn't because I find go. I know people say go home shows, or, you know, they think oh it's exciting because. Austin hit rock with a chair in 2001, it was deadly. It's like, oh, go-home shows are shite. Go-home shows are like, everything's set for the pay-per-view. There's no establishing new contenders. No, no, no changes are being made, no stories are being advanced because the story, you know, this is the next, we know where we're going next, but there's an episode of TV in between, so the gaps have to be filled. They're rarely good. I think there was one where, like, Cena and Reigns had a promo battle, um, not the last time they, they wrestled, but remember back in like for No Mercy a few years ago, where Cena just slaughtered Reigns was the funniest thing ever. I think that might have been a go home show, so that was good. But top to bottom, like this was genuinely because there wasn't like, I know, yeah, I, get, I think, yeah, we'll be talking about it obviously later on, about like Reigns and Balor and how Balor just wasn't there. There was no reference yeah. to him, but I still look at it though and I'm kind of like, I'm like, I'm glad that they did because it's made for a much better show where I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Whereas, like, if they had, you know, Balor looks strong going into Extreme Rules. I mean, I, I don't think they really need to. I mean, they have SmackDown for that as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah. so advanced the Raw stories, and they did that, and it wasn't like, what? What is Raw's match Extreme Rules in terms of Big E? Does he have one? They didn't have one. We'll talk about it in Extreme Rules. That's that's probably why we, it was such a good show. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we will get to that, and it is an interesting side effect. But like, it was a good show. I can back it up. Katie. he's not just making it. Up. <laughs> Uh, in a number one though, we spoke a couple of weeks back about the flat reaction to the uh, G1 Climax block announcement and you may remember that while I shared in a lot of people's disappointment uh, that we got now Moxie or Danielson when they're on the table, like Danielson is turning around in interviews now and he's like, I really want to do G1, so like it is disappointing now, but also I get it, he couldn't do any of the stuff he's doing with AEW now and, and he can do that next year. Um, as I said at the time though, G1 isn't about big names, what it's about is great wrestling, it's about shock upsets is about trying to work out the permutations and the maths of it things we love doing like in football group tables and stuff like that it's about constantly fantasy booking how all of this is going to lead to wrestle kingdom so it's like a world cup that you also like do wrestlemania card style booking for do you know what i mean and it's like the best of both and then you get great matches in the middle and we had the first two nights of action on saturday and sunday i say that they were both saturday and sunday morning and I am absolutely delighted to say that even though they had the kind of typical wrestlers that we've had on for the past while and a bit of a stale product, they not only live up to the hype, since there was very little hype 
what it did was it blew the remaining dwindling number of us New Japan diehards away by completely overshooting. This was fantastic. It was amazing. It felt like the talent brought some big fuck you, nobody believes in us energy to the opening weekend to show that it wasn't just them on the bill. They're like, just us. Just us. We're, excuse you, we're some of the best wrestlers on the fucking planet. Um, amazing, amazing stuff. So in the usual thing that I do with G1 and when I'm coming right now, I'm not going to go into individual spoilers and whatnot. Um, I'm going to go into... <laughs> oh, I'm scared. I'm, like, I'm scared of spoilers. I'm not. I'm I'm like, I am fucking scared. Oh, it's Danny Longlegs. Big fucking... Those spoilers are going to fuck at me because they can fucking fly as well. Fuck that. It's a Danny Longlegs. They're, sc- they're the scariest fucking ones, man. It's not a spoiler. No, that's a daddy long legs. What do you mean it's not a spoiler? I was just patiently waiting for your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to get up and fucking kill it. I'm so glad we got a scream. <laughs> I want to kill it, but now it's behind there and it stays behind there, we're good. But if okay. I come back out, I'm like, if you, if you hear me going, <laughs> you know, it's me trying to kill the spider. Do the codes like, where the code is. <laughs> yeah, the code is. That little delightful yelp, uh, amazing stuff. Uh, first thing, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but I will tell you point in the right direction if you want to catch up and kind of get the best bits. First thing I want to call out is the G1 Project Jam theme song that they have uh, that I'm delighted is going to be played every pre-show video package for all 19 nights. Corporate Keen, this is your dream song, okay? Basically, it's a Eurovision-style rock <laughs> song, but mix it, and it's mixing two languages with Japanese and English. But you know when you do that in Europe, the English lines are usually total bollocks. They only half make sense. Um, and, but like with that beautiful nonsense, it's about wrestling. So it's like da 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 muscles on the top rope, fighting with a real sword, and then it's like real muscle live. It's like this doesn't make sense. This is like Google Translate. <laughs> and then literally it's like I think the name of the song is and they just out of nowhere they go Max to the Max <laughs> it's called Max to the Max amazing stuff Keen you would absolutely love this like it is up there with my way <laughs> I swear Can to you god you imagine like Austin Rock and WrestleMania 17 and it's like this time, Max to the max. He yeah. was on the top row. He was on the top row. It's amazing. I think that's an title for sure. Oh, yeah, no, 100% it is. Um, watch all of night one, okay? Like, and, and they're doing this again. This is brilliant, and it's the best part about it. With the G1, they used to have the ha- first half of the card was all tagged. And you'd skip it. You'd never realistically watch it. But it was a stress, because you didn't want to overshoot when you're going through it. You know what I mean? You wanted, you didn't want to get like skip too far ahead and be like, oh, that's the fucking result of the first match um, so what they do now is they just have they have like a little short like kind of intermission opening match like which is like 5-10 minutes just to warm up the crowd and then they go straight into the block matches so no crap watch all of it Starts off with Yujiro Takahashi against uh, Kota Ibushi. Um, you think it's going to be nothing as well because like Yujiro Takahashi is like the biggest jobber ever in New Japan. Uh, Kota Ibushi is the reigning champion for the past two G1 climaxes. Um, and the story around it is that Kota Ibushi has like he's lost his first match the past two times, but he's ended up winning the tournament as a result. Um, 
now he's wrestling Ujiro Takahashi so of course he's going to win that and that's the story that you're going in watch it it's really really good they make the most of it, out of it you've got Toriano against uh, Kenta which is actually a continuation from last year where Kenta trying to out Yano before the bell even rang uh, which is really funny so this isn't a spoiler for the match but like he just did a kind of and I know this is a really horrible example to use but it's a Japanese version of kind of the do you remember the old David Starr long ring entrance thing Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So Ken Yano will do that sometimes as well. But then Kenta's like, I'm not even getting into the ring. And then he's just like, say the next bit, say the next bit, say the next bit. It's really funny because again, you don't think of comedy when you think of Kenta, but like he's actually embracing this stuff. Uh, you've got um, sorry, Zack Saber Junior against Naito isn't my cup of tea personally. I always lose interest in these two wrestle, but it is a good match if you enjoy these two. Uh, or if you enjoy these two wrestle, I enjoy them individually a lot of the time, but. Again, when they wrestle together, it just loses me. Uh, and then Takagi against Ishii, which, again, I won't get into results or spoilers or anything, but it is exactly as good as you imagine. Two beefy lads beating the absolute shit out of each other uh, as soon as the bell rang. Literally, they just get right into it. They just cut into about 10 minutes into the match from the opening bell. It's, like, amazing stuff. Um, like, it's... And then, like, even after the bell... Again, I won't tell you the winner, but, like, after the bell, they're still trying to get at each other. They're on the ground and they're both exhausted, but they're still fucking swinging for each other. And the ref has to break them up. It's fucking deadly. The intensity is just 90. Um, it's really difficult to imagine that not being the best match of the tournament but there's 18 nights still left for them to prove it uh, night 2 the matches to look out for Yoshihashi against Evil which again like I'm not saying go out of your way for this you know, for night 2 if you're if, if, if time's a factor only watch the main event Yoshihashi against Evil is quite good uh, and punched way above his weight even though there was loads of cheating they managed to make it fun Evil kind of has the same formula for cheating in every match there's always going to be run-ins um, there's always going to be him hitting low blows and this and that but again this actually it was quite fun the way they got to it Sonata against Tamatonga is about as good a Tamatonga G1 singles match as you could possibly have but then you've got Okada against Tanahashi which is the rock awesome of New Japan one of the most legendary historical matches in professional wrestling history it's actually their first match together in over 800 days uh, the last one was the opening night in Dallas you may remember I discussed a couple of years ago on the show uh, no spoilers for the results obviously but uh, just to kind of to keep in mind if you're watching this there have been 24 time limit draws in g1 history three of them belong to okada and uh, tanahashi and they play off that now as well um and they literally gave like and also as well another thing to keep in mind is that okada has the record uh he's in the record match for the longest g1 match that rendered a finish um, so that's where they played with all of that they played with the idea that you know a lot of these times these guys cancel each other out and they just played with it and gave you your money's worth uh, really really good stuff uh, coming up this week you have uh, on Thursday you have Ibushi against Ishii uh, that's going to be excellent you've got Shingo Takagi against Zack Sabre Jr on Friday you've got Okada against Evil uh, Tanahashi against Goto Sunday morning is an absolute well it was an absolute belter and then we got news that which is a miracle that this doesn't happen way more often. Tetsuya Naito's had to pull out of the G1 because uh, he injured his knee against Zack Sabre Jr. So um, that kind of ruins a lot of the great matches because on Sunday you're going to have Shingo Takagi against Naito, which is like, Naito is the leader of LIJ, Shingo is the world champion, and they've never kind of addressed or done anything with that. 
and they were just going to fight. And now we have to wait for that match. So it was going to be an amazing match. But still, you've got Ishii against Kenda, and you've got Ibushi against Zack Sabre Jr. Next Wednesday's a bit missable. It's Goto against Kyle Okada against Yoshihashi. I'll report back with the best matches. But really, really positive that New Japan still pulled it out of the bag. And I really love the fact that they brought that fuck you energy to it. Um, anyway, look, that was the week that was. Let's look ahead quickly to this week. We won't go through a match by match, but I do want to talk about Extreme Rounds because the consequence of having such a, a, a packed go-home show where they're now worrying about ratings again is they're worrying about ratings, the pay-per-view itself might suffer. And as a result, this is the card beyond the two big matches, okay? You've got Damien Priest, Jeff Hardy against Sheamus for the US Championship. You've got Charlotte against Alexa for the Raw Women's Championship. You've got the Usos against the Street Profits for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. And you've got Liv Morgan against Carmella randomly in a singles match. Um, are there any of these matches that you guys want to touch on apart from the big two matches? Um, is there anything that's kind of like getting you interested there? I, I think the Usos and Street Profits will be a banger. Yeah, could be. Yeah, uh, I think they're, they are two teams that work so well together. Yeah. I love the dynamic. Because like, for me, the Street Profits kind of got, I love them the bits, but they've kind of gotten a bit stale on SmackDown for a while. This feud with the Usos gives them something because they're like, oh, oh, you need permission off, off Roman Reigns, you need permissions off, off your boy. Oh, he's, he's letting you rest them, is he? Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And really getting under their skin, like, oh, this gives them something, you know what I mean? So I, and I think in the ring they're excellent, on the mic they're excellent. I love Street Profits, and I love, I think the Usos are just as good. Um, so the match, that match could be a banger. Um, uh, yeah, I look at the rest of the card. Yeah. I'm glad Jeff Hardy's in a good match after what mm. we talked about. Like, yeah. I'll be like, I'll be honest. Like that match doesn't make me go, oh yeah, I want to see that. But it actually could be a good match. To be fair, like I've seen Damian Priest and Sheamus a lot on on Raw. You know, the last few weeks they've actually been quite yeah. entertaining. And Jeff Hardy as well. Yeah, it could be three good wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I think it actually will be surprisingly yeah. good. I, I think as well when your expectations are low, I think it actually does help a lot. That's the thing. Let's not think about this match or hype yeah, it at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just know that it could be good. <laughs> Maybe. And then next week we come back and we're like, that was really good. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Maybe Morgan Carmella's random. Are they, are they doing random. anything there? No. Not really. No, they just put that on. Like. They, they, they had the match that they didn't have in Madison Square, which you could have predicted they'd do that the following week. They had the match with uh, Zelina involved. See, remember when I said that like the SmackDown Women's Division is divided in half? Yeah. It's the bottom half. I'm not saying like they're like awful wrestlers or anything like that. It's just in terms of like how they're booked and how they're built. It would take a lot for me to get interested in anything they're doing right now, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I actually really like Carmella, but it is more so when she's involved with the top tier wrestlers. I think she can hold her own, but I don't think she's good at leading other people through matches. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be an interesting one. Like uh, 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 let's give it a shot. But anyway, look, it is this is the thing, it's a light card. Um because again they're they're blowing their load because now TV ratings are what matters. It's very like the attitude era, because that's when the ratings mattered so much, but then you watch the pay-per-views back and you're like, How did I love this? <laughs> <laughs> um the good news of this is a bad news, good news situation. The card is a bit light, but the good news is the two big matches are well built, they're really exciting and they both involve Irish people. Becky and Miller, <laughs> amazing stuff. <laughs> Got Reigns against Balor in one main event. Uh, the the thing that's an interesting one here is you've obviously got the Demon is coming back uh, for this match. Um, has only ever lost one match in WWE history against Samoa Joe, which is NXT. So never lost in the main roster, um, but lost the last his last match in NXT in the original run. Um, is there any chance that the Demon wins, considering that they've announced the, the main event for the next pay per view as Brock Lesnar against Roman Reigns? 
that yeah. any chance whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And it's it happening at Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel. It's a, I mean, that doesn't necessarily have to be for the title. But uh, it's it's an interesting one because they could easily, again, we're talking like... It's chaos, panic, WWE. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, it's really not the most outlandish thing in the world. I think with how they've built Roman Reigns, it, it's very difficult to imagine him losing. But I just feel SmackDown, when it comes to their main event storyline, they've kind of, I feel like, unlike a lot of what happens in WWE, I feel like there's a plan. There's always like, I just feel like, They've always got this. This is why I love this storyline so much because there's always somebody there. There's always a contender. Like even now we got Balor and Brock. It's not just like two people and then then what? And then also Big E as well. I think as well they could potentially be moving towards unifying the world titles. Potentially, May, yeah. I don't, I'm not saying I want it or that I think it's a good idea, but like they, I they could be. I I, I feel like I saw somebody rumor somewhere that some I can't speak. <laughs> I saw somebody uh, somewhere say that. Apparently they could be, even though there is a draft along the way, they're, they're sort of thinking of like dilute. Remember we had that like, it was shite, but remember like the wild card rule yeah. and things like that to, for, so people can go on one show and then another. And I don't know, I think if anybody was to do that, it would be a champion, you know what I mean? I don't, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm thinking about it. What's that to do with Balor and Reigns? If anything, it would be Reigns that would be the, the unified champion over like Balor. Yeah, it's an interesting one or, or like what if you had Balor win and then like the draft is almost straight afterwards so what if you had Balor win and then you had Big E come to Smackdown and Reigns won the belt back but he won the different belt you know what I mean so like they'd be different colours wait hang on I'm you can change the colours like they did that with Smackdown belts wait I, 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 Smackdown <laughs> tag belts they changed before and oh. wait I'm, just, I'm really confused hang on wait who goes to what brand like Big e goes Balor to goes to Raw, Big E goes to SmackDown, Reigns stay. I think Reigns staying on SmackDown. SmackDown is the Reigns show, so it would be weird if he moved. Um, but what if what if Reigns went to, or Big E came over and then Reigns won Big E's belt and Balor got to, to go to go on a run and Raw? I'm confused. Is Big E not already a SmackDown yeah, wrestler? Yeah, Big E is a SmackDown wrestler. That's what I mean. But like, it's a draft, so anyone can go anywhere. So, oh, wait, hang on a minute. He's a SmackDown wrestler who holds the... The raw title, yeah. So he doesn't need to get drafted to SmackDown. He are, he's already on SmackDown. So yeah. what you're saying is Balor could win and then get drafted to Raw. Yeah, ah, you can yeah, switch yeah, the yeah, titles yeah. in a draft, like do you know what I mean. There's there's new rules. So, it, like, are are we saying that it's that it's not an impossibility then? <coughs> is there enough there that we can convince ourselves if Balor hits the coup de gras, we can be like, we can let ourselves go. <laughs> this could be it, a three. No. It's so no. like, no. Is he no. when was the last time Reigns has gotten pinned? Yeah, not so since he came back. Not since he came no, back. I, I love him, but Balor's not doing it. Like yeah. I can't imagine, and he's like, I, I don't think does the fact that he's forty make a difference. I only learned that he was forty the other day. I was like, what? <laughs> he's, he's the Wes Hilton of uh, wrestling. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean you're forty? Hang on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I find it really. I would say next to zero, but that. There is enough of a what if, like, as in it's a 1%, but it's enough for me to go. To so just oh, allow ourselves oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for all a few seconds. But it's also extreme rules as well, which makes it like, how oh, would it be so random? Oh, yeah, here's the thing there's no actual extreme rules matches on it. It's yeah, like, what the fuck's that about? There's not one match that has stipulations. I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily want, like, the hardcore thing. I want them to go back to that year where they did extreme rules, where it's like you have to, it's actually a seven count. <laughs> and the rules are, are there but they're just more extreme you know what I mean but everything is just a straight match isn't it um, yeah, yeah it no, looks that no, way. that's crazy when you, when you think when you look at the origins of that paper oh no sorry uh, Reigns and Balleris <laughs> the match we're talking about is, oh, is, what? What is it? extreme rules oh is it yeah Oh, oh, well then, well then the Usos interfere. Yeah. Mm. Batter, does Batter have any backup? Who's Batter? Is, I mean, maybe Big E. I mean, Brock can get involved, but not on Batter's 
have. But um, did you do it? Do you remember like? Do you remember you had Eddie Guerrero against Brock Lesnar, and then Goldberg came <laughs> in and spared Brock Lesnar, and that let Eddie get the big win. And we would have said heading into WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar's not losing that belt. Lesnar against Goldberg is going to be for the title. See, this is why I love it. AEW so much. The panic button is on, and like it's it's hovering. Like the panic button is right next to them, and they're hovering over to like, will we will we do it? Will we do it? Will we do it? You know what I mean? Because let's be like, it would get people talking. Mm-hmm. It would get people. Balor is very cool. He's a cool wrestler. He's like, if you oh you've got all the good wrestlers, where well, we've got Finn Balor. You know what I mean? So, I don't, again, I'm just I don't, trying to let you stay. I'm just trying to let you enjoy the one false finish you're going to get. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Again, I really can't imagine Roman Reigns getting pinned in any way. No. Like but, the only way I can see it, and it's not true, Balor. It's true, Paul Heyman switching sides again. Like that's the only shenanigan I can see. Yeah, all of this has just been off. built and built up to to build up Brock Lesnar, the young whippersnapper who needs to push. But that is the Undertaker streak. That is WWE, though, isn't yeah. it? You know what I mean? That's something they do. Oh, it's interesting, isn't it? Or maybe, or maybe, no, maybe, hey, oh, I think Usos interfere, but Big E is the neutralizer, or Brock Lesnar is the neutralizer, yeah. and then Heyman fucks over, but, or, or Heyman, I think Heyman solidifies his loyalty to Roman Reigns in this yeah. match. I think it, it'll look like Balor's going to win, because there'll be interference for Roman, but then somebody will say Balor, but then Heyman will be the difference maker. Heyman remember? is going to take Lesnar out. Yeah. <laughs> But all it takes is one low blow. We saw yeah, it in 2002. Yeah. 20, no, it's not 20 years to the day. What am I talking about? It was like November. But still, it's, it's not for all. Full panic button. The rock comes back. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But you never know. It, it, but I'm, you know, I'm happy. Never when I'm talking. I'm like, yeah, this is actually going to be good. They tease a family member coming back and it's Naomi. That's a <laughs> No, it's Dave. Did you see the Naomi new... Naomi cost Balor. No. <laughs> did, did you see the new Uso? The new Uso. The new Uso. Yeah, that nobody <laughs> thought existed. The one uh, he's, he's well, he hasn't debuted yet. Presumably, he's going to go to NXT. But he's like, he looks well. Obviously, he looks just like them. He's their brother, like, but he's like their younger brother. Oh, he's their like, actual brother. Or baby Uso, yeah. Ah. <laughs> You're saying that now, but what about when he comes in and coughs Finn Balor? Ooh. Is that still cute then? <laughs> I kind of is a little. If they call him baby Uso, then yeah. <laughs> one, these things where we're getting ourselves very excited for something, and then Reigns wins. Race this, this, <laughs> I think on paper, this is actually, this is like Reigns Cesaro. This could easily just be Reigns beats Balor. Yeah, but then, yeah. But they do at the same time though. They do love Balor. They do actually. Yeah. Get, they've always yeah. booked him very well, yeah. very strongly. Oh, I think there'll be something where they'll protect him, and like the Usos will come out. And blah blah. But like I think they'll protect him. But even then, though, he got smashed by Killer like Carrying Cross twice. So yeah. yeah. When when's his contract up? Because I know we discussed this last week, but I'm convinced that Balor is one of these. Like eight, like Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn going to AEW. We've enough to be getting on with before getting into Balor's contract. No, what I'm just saying is that like if it's ne- I don't know if it's near its end, but if it is, then he's definitely not winning. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting. One. Let's let's allow ourselves to enjoy your one false finish though. Uh, Becky gets Bianca's a more way more open contest. Is this the time where Bianca gets a belt back, or no. what are you thinking? No shenanigans. No, this this to me like is it absolute. I'd say this is even more locked in than the last match. I'd say Becky's definitely winning. Okay. Yeah, like this is proper proper heel Becky winning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, yeah, but this is where you have the if you're doing traditional booking, this is where you have Bianca get really close. The referee's knocked down. She gets the three count or something like that, or, or Becky comes out and 
and does some bollocks. Becky G's to win, yeah. Yeah, feet in the ropes yeah. or something like that, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but you need to keep Bianca there because this feud isn't over, you know what I mean? This feud you want to push till Survivor Series or whatever. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Really, it could be a, a, a good show. Uh, I'm looking forward to it again. I know we only touched it briefly. Anyway, guys, uh, we would, at this stage, plug the Five Factories open back up, but uh, <laughs> sold out. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, keep an eye out for future uh, classes uh, maybe a year or two from now at this rate. <laughs> January. You want to be on the list for January, you send me your email. There you go. They're out the door, uh, but literally you're looking at January at this stage, so fantastic to see things coming back and well. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Corporate Keen, subscribe on YouTube and also on Patreon. We're going to play out the show with uh, the team music. That uh, This is some of the prizes. I hope you don't mind me giving this away. Oh, okay. like, you're, you're free to... Uh, this is like if you're... A, you know, if you're a wrestler or whatever, you need free team music, you're allowed to play my music anywhere you want. I put a lot of okay. effort into it, but you know what I mean? If you're my patron, you can play it as your entrance song or publicly, whatever it's this, this is what This is the kind of uh, free bonuses you get if you're a Corporate Keen subscriber on Patreon, so uh, make sure you get involved, guys. In the meantime, uh, we'll be back next week to break down Extreme Rules today. It's going on in G1 and probably uh, talk about Remember the Undertaker. Uh, remember, that was a thing. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I've been Rick Nash uh, for Katie Harvey, Corporate Keen, that last the bottom line is Lovelace heads up.